Let me get way. my hog out. <laughs> Cock and balls are sticking to my leg. Oh, fuck. Yeah, oh. okay. Dude, I was gonna say, dude, Five, six, the fucking, uh, the fucking subway, like, just down the way, got fucking robbed. Oh, Like, bad. at gunpoint. Oh, fucking A. Who the fuck's robbing a subway? That's what I was saying. I was gonna say, it's fucking just down the way, and, uh, it was, like, the third shift, you know, like, midnight. You talking the one, like, on the other side of Phelan? Yeah, like, right off the highway. Yeah, yeah. like, right down the way. <laughs> it's open 24 hours. Damn. And I was they, See, that's risky. That's risky. They have a fucking sign that says literally LED. It's, like, now hiring, like, third shift. And then it says in parentheses, like, 11 p.m. to, like, fucking <laughs> 7 a.m. Sounds like the perfect job for you, Greg. Well, I was going to say, I don't think there's a worse group of people, like, a people who deserve less to be victimized than the third shift workers <laughs> at 24 hours. So Somewhere. Is it well, it's not even attached to a gas station though. No, it's not. So is it really a subway? That's a good point. You know what I'm saying? That is a good point. We should probably start the show. Yeah. Welcome to Story Still to <laughs> Tell, everybody. Uh my name is Greg. I'm sitting across the table from my best friend, Sebastian. He's wearing a super groovy Northwoods shirt. Yo, Northwoods represent says uh just relax. Just relax. You understand? That's a, that's a Take good Take it easy. Hey, that's a good way because in this story, in this episode, you know, um I don't want to victim blame because it's not cool. <laughs> But there is a part. <laughs> there is a part where it's like, hey, you know, I'm sure the uh, the the perpetrator of this crime was probably saying relax, and then they didn't relax, and then certain events took place. So it is probably always a good idea to relax. Yeah. And also, oh, I didn't even think of that. Robbery is partially that that opening anecdote has place in today's episode. Some robbery. Yeah, Some just, mischief. I would just hand over the money most of the time. I'm not dying for my job. No, especially not a, a subway. No, never a subway. Or any, actually, no, sorry, subway. Any job. Yeah, fuck that. My true. life is way more valuable than my minimum wage. Than so My very minimum wage right. job. My third shift. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, my graveyard shift. At dude. a subway. Isn't it across um, from a cemetery? It pr- I mean, the whole east side's a cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it, dude. <laughs> it is dead over here. Um, if you listen to the last episode, we covered 1960 and Irene Garza. Uh, if you haven't listened yet... Are we, you talking we the won't, beauty pageant? Yeah, but I'm going to say we won't spoil it. In case oh. anybody hasn't listened. Okay. So if you haven't listened, we won't spoil it. But go give What Happened to Beauty Queen Irene a listen. Uh, you'll get some context on the 60s. Honestly, that's probably the most important part. I don't know why you'd listen to 1961 if you haven't listened to 60. But yeah, if this it is, just doesn't make any if sense. If this is your first episode, we're happy you're here. Welcome. You don't, thanks for joining thanks us. Thanks for joining us. Honestly, you could be listening to these in like a reverse time machine situation. So that'd be oh, cool. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Greg, how much did you smoke before we started? <laughs> a lot of DMT. <laughs> <laughs> Ayahuasca myself. Ayahuasca myself. Uh, If not, no worries. So let's talk about 1961. Uh, To set the scene, so if you haven't listened to 1960, you are going to gain some more context because we went a lot more in depth into like economy and shit of 1960. 
we're not going to recover all of the exchange rates and shit because mm-hmm. it had it didn't change much from 1960 to 1961. Just a frame of reference, exactly for kind of the time period we're uh, trying to transcend ourselves into. Exactly. So we probably won't cover full on like exchange rates or the uh, conversion, whatever the fuck, until like 1965. When you see maybe like a dollar increase, like you know what I'm trying to say. Right, right, right. Like it's not going to be drastic. Once the minimum wage goes up a little bit, once things become a little more expensive because we're outsourcing it to China. But Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. You know how it should be going in the 60s. And if we didn't know yet, we're going to know more still. And by episode 10, we'll know all about the 60s. We so, have stories still, still to, to tell. tell. That's the name of the show. <laughs> they said it. Hey, hey. Uh, so if 1960 was chill and relaxed, which again, if you listen to last episode, I'll stop saying if you listen to last episode. I'm going to assume from here on out you listen to last episode. Yeah. Uh, listen to the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> 1960 was chill and relaxed. People are having a good time for the most part. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't think so. Well, there were certain people that we talked about that were not having a great time, but in terms of like the culture of everything, there wasn't a, you yeah, know, the racism. We, well, yeah, the there's drafts. a lot of, there's a lot of people who were not having a good time. And but like, it was a good time. It was kind of the kickoff of what was going to become not a good time. Right. So I know what you mean. It was kind of the bookend. If we, if we started in the fifties, I think we'd see a lot more of like the super good time, like America. I mean, obviously for white people predominantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what I'm definitely, trying to say? Definitely. Yeah. You know coming out of prohibition say. and the great depression. There was a ton of money in the country and shit like yeah. that. It was booming. Yeah. So. 1961 would kind of serve to be a, uh, I I wouldn't say wake up call is the perfect explanation, but it's kind of like, you know how you set your alarm before your actual alarm to kind of like prime you to wake up? That little teaser. Yeah. That's probably 1961. Yeah. Hey, so like, this shit's (laughs) going on, but don't worry about it until like, you know, next year. Kind of reminds me of like. 2019 to 2020 we are like oh it's getting weird but now oh uh oh Oh, no shit's crazy (laughs) shit is crazy but thank thank god for the election that was the last that was the saving grace of 2020 and it didn't do much (laughs) but it it honestly did a lot at the end of the day yeah i I don't even know what's going on with our president and i couldn't be happier i could not be happier (laughs) bless up um sleepy joe sleepy joe (laughs) That is still probably the most hilarious <laughs> shit because he thought he really got him. Yeah, he clowned him, dude. Because my association has always been like sloppy Joe. I'm going to call him sleepy Joe. Like mm-hmm. that's like the joke I thought he was trying to make. But then I think he just attached yeah. an adjective he, to a human being. He didn't think that far ahead. No, he was just like, that guy looks sleepy. Sleepy Joe. Boom. <laughs> got oh, and what's his name? Oh, Joe. Joe. With his Sleepy? dead son, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> he did make fun of his dead son. Yeah, that is tight. Um, and his alive son, too. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. Nah. Hot take. Hot Don- take. Donald, uh, Donald Trump sucked. Yeah, a hot lot. take. That is, he was a piece of garbage. That was pro- that's probably the most condensed way you could put it. Um, Anyways, but yeah, back we're in not, time. We're not fucking cnn over here don't worry uh sending <laughs> in 1960 we kind of had just entered the vietnam war it wasn't formal um 
or was it formal? I can't remember how it was officially classified, but that's when we sent over 3,000 troops. Um, and the Cold War is still at this time. Like, that wasn't just a 60s thing. You know, the Cold War is still really prevalent um, in the form of American spy planes being shot down. We talked about Gary Powers. U-2 bomber. Exactly. But they didn't really feel like there was a real immediate threat quite yet. And in 1961, kind of changed. Bing, so. Bing. If you remember, since Kennedy won the election in 1960, this was his first year as president. And with any change in administration, kind of like we were talking about just now, there are going to be a couple of goof em ups. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Some goofs. Couple it of was goofs. a goof. I goofed. It was a goof. <laughs> uh, so we're also going to run the order of everything down a little bit reverse. We're going to run down the whole events first, and then we'll kind of like dive then, into Yeah, it then we'll dive down. more into the 60s. So, cool. Let's set the scene for our episode. Historic events of 1961, kicking it off in January, uh, before he was inaugurated, before Kennedy was inaugurated, Eisenhower was the president before him, um, and he announced early in July, just at the end of his presidency, that the U.S. had severed all political ties with Cuba. If you remember the last episode... Very very anti-communist. Yes. Like, to the max. And that is something that will be prevalent, if you couldn't already tell, or mm-hmm. if you don't remember a certain few events. Yeah, if certain... you didn't ever, you know, take history class. Exactly. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but, like I said, he only had a little bit of time left in office. Kennedy took over just a few weeks after this announcement, and in Eisenhower's farewell address, he warned of the uh, increasing power of the military-industrial complex, which is, like, probably the most famous... One of the most famous like political like presidential speeches like it's Arguably, right there with like, yeah yeah it's right there with like the Gettysburg Address like right. you absolutely should listen to it if you have any curiosity if you're about, unfamiliar it's yeah. a really powerful and prevalent speech to you know America as a whole and still rings a lot of truth to, to this the, day yeah he was like hey watch out for this and everybody was like I don't think so yeah yeah right <laughs> get a load of this they're jackass. not gonna be sending the Pentagon guns through spaceships no way. Get a load of Wait. this jackass. <laughs> Eisenhower. Um, but January wasn't all that bad. In fact, on January 31st, this is probably my favorite story. Um, on January 31st, the, Uni- the United States launched the Mercury Redstone 2, which I know what you're thinking. I've never heard of that. That's not the Apollo. Yeah, that's what not, the fuck is that? That's not one of the big ones. But they launched it into the suborbital part of the hemisphere. Okay. And on this flight was Ham the Chimpanzee. Ham? Ham. H-A-M, the Chimpanzee. So the purpose of this flight, that he's on this rocket, was to test if humans could survive the flight because they were planning, you know, to eventually send someone to space. Kennedy made his mission by the end of the decade. I'm going to put someone... You got to try it on a chimpanzee. Exactly. The primate. The fucking Soviets put Laika the dog in space. Oh, word, yeah. Um, And this is where Ham came in. So... Damn. On the on Damn. this flight, <laughs> I fucking love this. <laughs> NASA monitored his vitals from Earth, you know, to make sure he's breathing and everything like that. Part of his training included ground control, transmitting a signal that turned on a light within the capsule that he was sitting in, which Ham was then trained to pull a lever once he saw it. And the lever wasn't like consequential, like it wasn't supposed to do anything, but they were just seeing, hey, can we send signals up there? How quickly are they going to get up there? And how quick, you know, like trying What's to measure the, the timing. and receive, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Because he was trained to pull it the second he saw it. 
Oh, cool. So they need so to they're know getting more, you know, information off that. Yeah, they need to know how much time, like you said, would it take to transmit a signal, and then you know when would they receive it? Because that meant you know they need to de- or like fucking detach like fifteen minutes up, and we like it takes like thirty seconds to send a signal. You would need to send the signal thirty seconds early because it will matter. Yes, it's exactly. got to be precise because you're in fucking space. Exactly. So but fucking send send ham up there. Send ham up there. Hey, if he dies, he dies. Right. And he did his job like a champ. And I know what you're thinking. That's fucked up. Poor chimp died for nothing. But that's the thing. Ham survived. Oh, <laughs> 16 man. Minutes. I love a fucking happy ending. That's what I'm saying. 16 minutes after it gets, it's even a happier ending. Just wait. 16 minutes after takeoff, the capsule containing ham landed safely in the Atlantic ocean. All was good. He had a slightly bruised nose, probably just from bumping into something. Yeah. It's high fucking, there's a lot of velocity. There's a lot of shit um, going on when the, you're falling down yeah. that fast. This chimpanzee was a goddamn American hero. <laughs> Like, people talk about fucking Neil Armstrong. Yeah. Let's talk about Ham the Chimpanzee. Fuck, fuck Neil, fuck Buzz. Fuck him. I'm looking at Ham. That's, then that's, if you look up pictures of him, he is yeah. so fucking cute in he his little space suit. fucking adorable, <laughs> dude. Adorable. Like, Got like a little, little st- helmet, <laughs> little smile. He looks like a little, looks like a little fucking, like, Build-A-Bear. Yeah, he looks like, like a kindergartner going to school, almost. Halloween costume. Honestly, yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm dressing up as an astronaut, but it's a Japan. See, dude fucking look it up it's cute it is adorable he would go on to live for another 22 years he passed away in 1983 Damn. having lived a full life and literally gone to space holy shit what other chimpanzee can say that what other chimpanzee can say that i did find out that um because nasa still didn't know the effect that going into space would have on like your long-term body he was heavily dissected at you know, a base or something like that. But they gave him, he has like a little headstone. Like he has a little memorial at one of the NASA places. Yeah, I just saw that. The, yeah. his, his grave. Yeah, I need to go visit that. I think it's World's in like New Mexico. first astro chimp. Astro chimp. How sick is How that? How fucking sweet is that, dude? Um, why don't, why aren't we called astro chimps? What the fuck? Because they're way cooler. Right. They look way cooler in space suits. Because we got thumbs. We do have thumbs. <laughs> uh, so that, that was pretty much right at the end of January. So in February... Uh, by the good 15th, start. good start, right? It does go downhill. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse. It gets worse. Uh, by the 15th, Kennedy had to send his first formal warning to the Soviet Union regarding their practices in other countries. So again, we're seeing the Cold War kind of manifest itself in these in these fucking parts uh, because they had been interfering in the United. Nations pacification of the Congo, which is the United States nations was trying to set up kind of like adjust its police force. I didn't look too much into it, but the fucking Soviet Union was trying to interfere in that because they don't benefit from that. Right. So like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And then Kennedy's like, no, 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 to your no, 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 no. Yeah. You got me kind of fucked up. Yeah. Uh, It's the Bay of Pigs invasion all over again. We'll talk about it. That's this year. Um, but, and also besides that, February was super boring. Uh, there was a discovery of the element 103, Laurentium, uh, and that was, that was pretty much it for February of 1961. Super boring. Um, by March on the first JFK 
formally established the Peace Corps, which was kind of his big, big talking point in a lot of his debates. Uh, and the goal of that was to send assistance to other countries in the form of social and economic development support. So pretty much immediately college kids were like, I'll go do that. Yeah, that sounds still to, the, still to this day, I think it's like a lot of college kids. Um, yeah, I think we knew some people coming out of high school that did that. Yeah. I remember one... Uh, uh, I'll tell that story. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Uh, again, <laughs> fairly boring month, uh, but on the 29th, the 23rd Amendment was passed, which is super... It's a boring amendment. It just allowed residents of Washington, D.C. to vote in presidential elections. So, oh, really? Isn't How cool is that, right? Yeah. So but he's like, that's wish, my favorite amendment. You're going to wish this, the year stayed this boring. Yeah. Uh, April's where shit really kicks off. So on the 17th... The United States formally attempted to uh, to remove a young man in Cuba by the name of Fidel Castro from power. Uh, ever heard of him? <laughs> you might have heard of him. <laughs> uh, the plan was for the CIA to train Cuban exiles in military and combat tactics, and then they, the Cuban exiles, not the Americans, would invade the southwestern coast and move inland and just fucking oust Fidel Castro, just right? Calm down. Perfect plan. Yeah, sounds flawless. I see. Yeah, no problems. No, no strings attached. You know, you I've, know? I've looked at this from every angle, and I can't poke a hole in it. I can't <laughs> think of a better plan. Honestly. Uh, so part of this plan included the United States Air Force providing air support as the exiles landed on the coast, but the Air Force kind of backed out. They were like, Ooh, uh, it's not really our jurisdiction. This isn't re- <laughs> it's not really our thing. Yeah. We kind of like to stick to ourselves. Yeah. We kind of just stay in the sky. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> uh, and to make things fucking worse, the CIA then told the exiles, uh, no, 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 no. Wrong side of the coast. We actually want you all the way over here. And since I mean, they, granted, Cuba isn't it's not giant, yeah, but it's still like it it's seems sizable logistically. Like you probably should have covered that, especially yeah. when I think you're relying on the timing of the attack to uh, surprise. But then they see all your boats and shit going from this side all the way to the other side, <laughs> right. and they're like, "That's awfully curious." Hey, I, I'm pretty sure I see some American flags coming in. They keep moving back and forth. It's like they can't find a parking spot. Uh, <laughs> they keep um, circling the fucking block. They don't know where they're at. Uh, add that with the fact that the planning was just pretty fucking lackluster and coordination was essentially non-existent. Okay, Cuba uh, is actually way bigger than I thought. Is it? Bad. Okay. Because I also thought it was pretty small. Yeah. So you just, no, you I was just thinking say, Puerto say, Rico. Mm. Um, no, Cuba's like, I don't know, it looks to be larger than Florida. So Okay. Yeah. So yeah, no, no, just fucking wrapping <laughs> around it. sixteen hour detour and we're good to go. Really like good. that's insane. Um so I, <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I did not know that. Um anyway, you've got what's now known as the Bay of Pigs. You know, when all this took place. Uh most of the attackers were either killed or captured pretty much immediately. Like they barely got off the beach. Yeah, it was on site. Yeah. Because again, they saw him coming. Like it's <laughs> I'm just picturing them just like watching like boats back up. <laughs> beep, 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 There's like a dude just like trying to like guide him in. Like you got, got the flares. Yeah. No, stop, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Ten feet, ten, five, no. I said left. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> that way. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was a complete fucking failure. And once it got out, the CIA <laughs> trained all of these guys. It just made relations between the United States and Cuba even worse. And obviously Shocker. that strengthened the relationship between the Soviet Union and Cuba, which would eventually lead to Cuba uh, holding their nuclear missiles, a.k.a. the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't this year. So we're done talking about that. Yeah, that's next time. <laughs> well, not even. I don't remember. It? I think it could be 1963. Well, 63, I think there's a bigger event. There is a bigger event. Going on. That will honestly, I don't <laughs> want to spoil anything, but that may or may not. Be what that entire episode's about. Probably going to be like three episodes. Yeah. Um, But cool. But cool. Uh, Funnily enough, uh, the same day as the Bay of Pigs invasion, uh, same day, back stateside in Santa Monica, 33rd Academy Awards were held. That's pretty fun. Right? Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Significant. Uh, The Apartment won Best Picture. I've never seen it. Burt never Lane. heard of it. Never heard of it. Even, actually. Again, this is like in our last episode, we talked about Exodus or something. And I just know. There's, yeah, there's there's people out there that are like, <sighs> such a good movie. <laughs> I love the apartment. Uh, Burt Lancaster. There's won- a reason it won Academy Awards. How many times do I need to explain this? <laughs> oh, I, the fact that I need to explain to you the artistic integrity of the apartment shows that it's never it would it would go shows over that never anyway. should have yes in the first place <laughs> fucking yahoos fucking burt lancaster one best actor i c- can't even think of what he looks like burt elizabeth taylor best actress i can picture what she looked like she was pretty hot yeah um who cares about supporting actors i'm not even going to say that uh one thing i find most instri- interesting about all these old academy awards is whatever one best documentary because I feel like it is kind of like a little time capsule into what was considered worth documenting at the time. Mm-hmm. So that year, a film titled The Horse with the Flying Tail won Best Documentary. Uh, and it was honestly super lame. It was about a horse who won some awards at the Pan American Games. Oh. So. Cool. Cool. No. So it didn't fly. Didn't fly. But it was a horse and had a tail. Had a tail. Had legs. No flight. No wings. No wings. Interesting. Uh, also in <laughs> April, <laughs> the uh, the Boston Celtics defeated the St. Louis Hawks to win the NBA Finals, and okay. the Chicago Black Hawks won their third Stanley Cup, beating the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, Chicago wouldn't go on to win another Stanley Cup until 2010. I remember that vaguely being a big deal. And I'm, not, I'm not even a hockey fan. Yeah. Was it that long? That long? 50 years? The fuck? 49 years? You figured years? Chicago would be better at hockey, man. Yeah, They're like off f- the Great Lakes just like we are. Yeah, fuck's sake. but we're not good at hockey either. Well, right. We don't but even like, have one Stanley Cup. Shit. Isn't that fucking brutal? The Wild. Represent. The Minnesota Lynx are our best team. Yeah. They win. That's our women's basketball team. Because I'm honestly some rock stars. pretty sure nobody really knows that the Lynx exist. I'm Which I'm not going to blame you. The WNBA does a pretty bad job of marketing, but I also don't think it's their fault. Every time I see like a post on social media about like the WNBA, all the comments are like, go make news. It's just incredibly offensive. Yeah, it's yes. just a bunch of fucking incels. <laughs> yes. 
like mad that a woman could kick their ass or, oh, or something. Yeah. And it's or that they're like winning trophies yes. and ki- like just rocking shit. <laughs> Getting paid like a hundred plus thousand dollars. Yeah, you shouldn't be on the court. You should make me a sandwich. That's a weird looking kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> shut the fuck up, dude. What are you twelve? Like they all, they all the think fuck it's out so of here. Funny. The most embarrassing shit I read. Um, but moving into May, if you remember in 1960, exposed. exposed. Yeah, I'm calling you out. Yeah, I'm calling you out, sexist. Every single one of y'all. Last Fuck one y'all. Of you. If you know one, you're an enabler. Cancel them. They're toxic. Boom. <laughs> um, if you remember in 1960, <laughs> this is in May now. If you remember 1960, just at the end, the Supreme Court ruled in Boynton versus Virginia that racial segregation on public transportation was unconstitutional. So this yeah, same, that's when they said, no, you guys are racist. They were like, oh, fine, you guys like, can all please, ride buses together. No, but like, <laughs> why, why can't we? No, because you're racist. That's <laughs> why. Racist. Um, so this year, you're, if you're familiar with the Freedom Riders, this is when they started doing their shit because they were just testing. They were like, all right, well, we still know that this is going to probably be a problem once we go into these southern places. So let's test how seriously they're willing to now protect what they've ruled to be a constitutional right. Um, and wouldn't, wouldn't you guess, wouldn't you guess it didn't go great for them? Yeah. Nobody really actually cared. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, a lot of people cared to the point of firebombs, which I'll talk about at a later point. Um, Are you talking like Tulsa? No, I'm talking like in Mississippi, but kind of like Tulsa. Okay. Um, but uh, we'll talk about it. All right. Yeah. 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 It happens later Getting in the time ourselves. So on the 5th of May, astronaut Alan Shepard became the first American in space. I'm sorry, last I checked, last I heard him was, was the first American in fucking that's space. What, that's what it should say, <laughs> literally. Um, on what aircraft, might you ask? Uh, the Mercury Redstone 3. Twa? Because it couldn't have made it if not for the Mercury Redstone 2. Which had ham. The space chimp. <laughs> yeah. The space champ. <laughs> he is the first American exp- in space. <laughs> I won't hear anything of it. He actually might have been probably, I don't think we have any native. Um, Astro champ. Astro champ. Astro. I don't think we have any native uh, primates. Or not not primates, like chimps. I'm sure he was probably born in like the Senegal and they brought him over. Yeah, you're saying, yeah, but no, we naturalized don't have like American monkeys, citizens. chimpanzees, and, and like indigenous to North America. Yeah. Though. And I think that once you take somebody like that, they become a naturalized citizen. Like, you know how, like, a human, it takes, like, six years? Mm-hmm. I think a chimp is kind of, like, six minutes. Well, they have a short lifespan. Yeah. So, like, you got to account down. for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, he was the first American they put their is what time I'm getting in. in. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yes, 10 days after the Freedom Rides, Freedom Riders began their cross-country uh, trip, yeah, one of the buses was firebombed in Alabama by the KKK. Oh, cool! And uh, people were dragged off the bus, beaten, shit like that. Jesus so yeah, people were, people were not cool with it. Jesus. And then uh, another ten days after that, on the twenty fourth, Freedom Riders again arrested in Mississippi for uh, disturbing the peace after getting off their bus stop. How does that translate? How does getting off the bus equal disturbing the peace? Well, you're pissing off a lot of racists. Yeah, here's and the problem. You're, you're a person up. of color. <laughs> and you're riding the bus. Yeah, and yes. we don't abide by that. Nope, no sir. So yeah, it uh, it was not taken too well. Fucking clowns. But I mean, 
those were all arrests that you could get overturned as a result of Boynton versus Virginia. But the last thing I'd want to do is be in a Mississippi jail as a person of color, especially after doing something along the lines of that was like so blatantly in the face of racists. Right. Not going to work out. So now like they have a target on you. Yeah. Because they're racist. Racist. Exactly. Um, to close out May and kick off June, Kennedy met for the first time with the secretary of the Communist Party, Nikita Khrushchev. Two of them pretty much discussed nuclear tests, disarmament, um, disarmament in Germany. There probably could have been a lot of Sebastian's making a gesture. There probably was a lot of a uh, little couple of. Now I'm doing a hand <laughs> gesture. <laughs> the people on the radio Let can't you fill see in it. the blanks. Take a guess. Um, but June was pretty boring. Honestly, this timeline is fairly boring, but it sets like a lot of like little shit like that is like important politically. So I figured I'd leave it in. June was pretty boring. So in July, uh, the only kind of cool thing was the first ever major league baseball all-star game was held, which if you didn't know, is now held every year, about halfway through the season. I, I wanted to grab details that weren't explicitly like heavily, like like, I wanted to throw in, like, happy ones where, like, the average person might not have given a shit that JFK met with Khrushchev. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a fan of baseball, you were probably, at the time, really fucking hyped about you're this like, all-star Whoa! game. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some cool things going on. You yeah. Know? We're still trying to paint the picture of the general tone. Climate, all of that. Right. Exactly. Obviously, it depends on Depends on what you find interesting. Yeah, and that too. Everything, but... Get with it. Get with it. Or get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, in August, more uh, more good news as the first ever Six Flags amusement park opened in Texas. Woo-woo! I've never been to a Six Flags. Me neither, but I think it's the same as Valley Fair. Shout out Shakopee. Shout out. Uh, and the Cape Cod, also this month, the Cape Cod National Seashore was established as well, which that's something I didn't even know was like a designation. A national seashore? Yeah. So like a national forest exactly. or something. You can't build on it. You can't, you know, there's there's lots. Yeah, that's exactly Protected it. land. And it's just a seashore. And I went and I looked them up, but I'd, I had no idea, like, you know, national parks, all of that. So I looked more into it and found out they're actually... They're all they're all they're also one national lake shores, but they're pretty... There's actually a lot of these national seashores. Uh, the closest one to here, Sebastian, to us in Minnesota, is the Apostle. This actually sounds so sick. Like we should go, the Apostle Islands National Lakeshore in Wisconsin. They have scuba diving at four different shipwrecks up there. What? Pretty cool shit. What the fuck, dude? I know. I hear about like national parks road trips and shit like that. A national fucking lakeshore, lake seashore road dude. trip sounds way Yo. fucking cooler. Oh, Wow. I wish we had more time to talk about it. But uh, legitimately, who here has even been there? Outside of maybe some people in the Northeast who might be listening. I had no clue that was a thing. No, me neither. That's actually. Apostle Islands in Wisconsin. We got to go. Yeah, we're hitting that. Um, But again, not much happened in fucking August. So in September, uh, Tom and Jerry made its return to TV after being off the air for two years. I couldn't find out why they were canceled in the first place, but... uh sure the public was pretty pissed yeah obviously if they got brought back they brought it back again i think yeah it's been and on, they're I think still it's, fucking going on today yo i was just gonna say i think it's been on since it came back in 1961 people love that little cat and mouse game they do 
uh, the world's first retractable roof stadium opened in Pittsburgh, which is something we see all the time now. I thought that was just kind of cool. Yeah, but imagine seeing that for the first time. You're like, what the fuck, dude? Oh, my God. This building's a convertible. This is what everybody was saying the future would be. We have now we have roof and then no roof. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, that would be sweet because I think it's sweet. When you're at a stadium and they do that I'd today, I'd do that to my house if I could. Right, that'd be dude, sick. Pop the top off. Pop the top get, off. Get some fucking cross breeze going in. Ugh. It's getting a little stale. Uh, and then now this is something I was considering making the main point of this episode, um, and it's the murder of a voting rights activist named Herbert Lee, and he was mur- murdered by a Mississippi state representative, a guy named E. H. Hurst. And actually, we don't have a time to talk about it, but actually, no, we will talk about it because... Actually, no, we will! <laughs> I was thinking about making it like the episode for this week because it is a crazy story. So you guys get two stories this week. I'll be quick. Um, so these two men, uh, Robert Lee, voting rights activist, and E.H. Hurst, who is the Mississippi state representative who ends up killing Robert Lee, actually had known each other for a really long time. Um, they literally grew up on neighboring farms. Wow. And the two of them were close friends. Erotic. What is your deal? <laughs> what is your deal today? <laughs> the two of them were even like close into early adulthood. Hurst at one point helped Lee apply for a farm loan because Hurst is white and Lee is black. So like Hurst was like willing to be like, hey, you know, to the bank. I like this dude. He's, He's cool. Good. Give him a loan because you know for a fact that they were not trying to give and this was loans. in Mississippi, yeah, and where the, they so this, had just done the Freedom Rider yeah, fucking but bombing, even, even like twenty years earlier. So this is like nineteen forty Mississippi. Oh, and shit. this dude is like, no, he's good. He'll be good because he ends up getting murdered in nineteen sixty one because that's part of this timeline. Um, so the two of them, unfortunately, pretty quickly into the like late fifties, had a falling out because Lee became involved in politics, especially black voters' rights. Mm-hmm. So Hearst, despite being a good friend of a black man, still didn't think that they should have voting power. He was like, I'll get you a farm loan, but... Yeah, like, you're cool as a neighbor, <laughs> but, like, kind of, like, I making kinda rules. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you should ever say That's that. That's crossing a boundary for me. Uh, so on September 25th, 1961, he decided to do something about it. See, Lee had <laughs> been... <laughs> Literally. Uh, See, Lee had been rising rapidly in the ranks of black activists in Mississippi and as a result was gaining more and more influence. Like, I think he, I read somewhere he spoke with like, uh, like Martin Luther King at one point in time, like, you know, gave him a brief on like what situations were looking like where he was. Like, he was like a a correspondent for some people. And despite um, Lee and Hearst's disagreements and individual successes in politics, they were both still farmers, like by day, who used the same cotton gin to process their crop. And you know, cotton gin, like Eli Whitney created it. You're mm-hmm. familiar? It's I'm just, not. you bring your cotton crop and it, uh, I don't know the actual science behind it, but it turns it into the more, helps, you know, like pull the cotton seeds like out to the point where you can turn it into fabric. Oh, it's just processes. Yeah. It? So you bring all your shit to a cotton gin. Get all you the yourself, trim off. Yeah. You yourself don't own a cotton gin. Mm-hmm. Because they're fucking expensive. More than likely, yeah. Um, so the two dudes, 
Hearst and Lee arrive at the Cotton Gin around noon on this day, September 25th. I can't remember. Yes, 25th. They both arrive at the Cotton Gin around noon. By coincidence, it's not like, you know, they were meeting or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And after Not a that, planned, you know, right. date. After that, we don't know exactly what happened because... But well, well, what we do know is Hurst shot Lee with one bullet from his thirty-eight, dead. Bang. One shot. Uh, at the time, Lee was just forty-nine years old, and he left behind his wife and nine children. Fucking a. A lot of kids, dude. I mean, she I mean, grew sad. up on a farm. Yeah, that's what they do. Nine kids without a dad is not cool. And Hurst would claim that he had shot Lee in self-defense after Lee allegedly threatened him with a tire iron. Um, he was still sent to trial though, but there were, there were five witnesses of mixed racial makeup who supported his story of self-defense. You know, it wasn't just white people, but with that being said, the, uh, the courtroom was filled with only white people who definitely wanted one specific outcome. Yeah. Of for that, the uh, white person <laughs> yeah, to if you be know not guilty. I mean. Uh, so maybe these witnesses were under a little bit of pressure to maybe say... Maybe a little yeah. fearful. Yes, uh, because, well, we'll talk about it. Uh, so Hurst and his story of self-defense was believable enough. He was set free, Not didn't see any time for it. Um, later it came out that one of these witnesses, a man named Lewis Allen or Louis Allen, um, went to the uh, SNCC civil rights activists and told them that he was reconsidering his testimony. He was one of the witnesses who said it was self-defense, but then he went and spoke with the civil rights group, said that he didn't want to testify that it was self-defense, uh, believing instead that Hearst was the aggressor. So he then met with members of the FBI and the Civil Shit. Rights Commission, Commission to see if he could get federal protection if he were to change his testimony. You know, right. say in front Living of all in the, fucking <laughs> Mississippi. He would need it. Uh, they told him that they wouldn't protect him, and as a result, fearing for his own life, he still testified that it was self-defense. He, he testified on behalf of Hearst because the government said they wouldn't protect him. Damn. Um, yeah, because he didn't want to get killed the same way Lee was. Exactly. Unfortunately, though, the uh, the white community heard that he was talking to the FBI, and they eventually trickled down details. They said, snitches get stitches. Allen was fired from his job threatened and harassed by law enforcement which i'm sure he was already was already happening to the point either way that he was planning on moving out of mississippi but so this trial ended up taking place in 1963 okay so we're jumping just like two years quick murder was 61 trial didn't happen until 63 that's the year that uh lewis allen is like seeking like hey if i change my testimony can i get protection so in january of 1964 the night before he was set to move away from Mississippi, Allen was standing in his driveway where he was shot twice by a shotgun, leaving him dead. Nobody was ever arrested. Holy shit. Yeah. What the fuck, dude? So that was just a quick little like side story. That I, I, It was just too crazy. I was thinking about making it like the actual topic of the episode, but a white man murders a black man in a predominantly white area. They swept a lot of details under the rug to the point that that was all that information I gave you was pretty much all the information that I could even find. Jesus, dude. And that was September moving into October. (laughs) Spooky. season. We ain't done yet. We're not done yet. It's spooky. Jesus, man. Uh, For baseball fans, Roger Maris set the record for home runs in a season this year. He hit 61 in one year. Raj. 
What's up, Raj? 61 and 61, uh, which broke Babe Ruth's record that had been standing for over 30 years at that time. So that was a really that was that was a really big deal because Roger Maris's record stood until I think like 1995. For so his record stood for even like another 30 years. So right. It was a big deal. A lot of decades in between. Yes. These milestones. Then that same same month, New York Yankees beat the Cincinnati Reds to win their 19th World Series title. And to close out the month, there was a uh, long-form standoff in Berlin because if you remember, Berlin would eventually be separated into East and West Berlin. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is before it was separated, but there was a standoff between Soviet and American tanks where they literally, it was like the Spider-Man like pointing meme. Yeah. Like Ooh. they like pulled up to the edge of the block at the exact <laughs> same time and neither of them were going to move out of the other person's way. It's like, boy. Literally. Again, Holy shit. news got back to the United States, only heightened tensions and fear of the Cold War. Uh, but that wasn't it. So <laughs> the same month, December, uh, October, excuse me, uh, the Soviet Union detonated the largest nuclear weapon ever created. If you're familiar with it, it's called the Tsar Bomba. It was equivalent <laughs> to 56 million Sounds tons. Sounds like an early 2000s song. It does sound like, yeah, indeed. Tsar like Bomba, yeah, number like, five. Yes, or I was going to say like some like ska fucking song that yeah. like, what was uh, Gwen Stefani's first band? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. That no sounds doubt. Like, and I, you would just like fucking like jump, skip, dance to <laughs> yeah. it, like whatever the fuck Scott dancing <laughs> is. Dropping bombs. So the Sour Bomba, equivalent to 56 million tons of TNT, which if that doesn't do anything for you, because it doesn't do anything for me in terms of like magnitude. Yeah, because it's so out there, I can't even perceive it. Yeah, well, here's a more even like localized example. It had this one bomb had the explosive power of about 4,000 of the atomic bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima. What the <laughs> fuck? Yes, one bomb was 4,000 times what? more powerful. Yeah, so what could destroy... A city can now destroy a state, state? probably. Yeah. Like what the When fuck? it detonated the plane that dropped it, it like the fucking reverb of it almost crashed the fucking plane. It fell a kilometer in like height as it after it dropped <laughs> it because like the shock wave. There was, it was the only plane that could do it, and somehow those people survived. Jesus, dude. But, Fucking Russians. Well, Where was this? In, like, the Siberian wilderness or something? No, it was up off, like, an island. I think it... I mean, it probably murdered it killed a ton of fucking sea life, but... Yeah. Um, well, Definitely. So, I mean, at the time, the United States had similar technology. Like, we could do the exact same shit, but it certainly scared the shit out of anyone who cared to think that... Uh, the Soviet Union now had real, like, real atomic, atomic power. weapons. And like, they can just come through and go, boink, boink, yeah, we're kaboom. Gonna, we're going to put the Tsar Bomba on one of our fucking Cuban missiles, and that is now, like, 50 miles from your coast. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, actually. Yes. Yeah, that's right, because Russian did have heavy influence in fucking Cuba. Exactly. So, watch out. Um, But then, November, again, there's it just was nothing too crazy, but... Uh, JFK sent 18,000 military advisors to South Vietnam, which <laughs> they were just soldiers. Yeah. Like, no, they're uh, they're advisors. No. Really? You need 18,000 18, advisors, yeah, is it? Yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. 
Um, whatever you say, boss. Whatever, yeah, okay, whatever you say, boss. <laughs> that probably literally is how it fucking went. Yeah. Uh, except JFK was probably the guy saying that. I'm sure some dude from fucking the military was like, we need 18,000. And yeah. JFK was like, yeah, whatever yeah, you yeah, say, boss. Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, then a guy named Michael fuck? Rockefeller of the famous Rockefeller family mm. in November uh, went missing in, went missing in the jungles of New Guinea, never to be seen again. What was he doing in the jungles of New Guinea in the first place? Probably just some fucking. He was uh, he was like, wow, I wonder how these savages live. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. my goodness gracious, <laughs> my how goodness. have they made it this far? Uh, and then finally, to close out 1961, the Vietnam War officially began on December 11th, 1961, and Kennedy sent over 400 troops to Saigon directly, which is crazy. It's almost like the month before the war officially started, we already had 18,000 military advisors. Advisors. There. <laughs> Just ready and then to be 400 troops. Exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I'm putting together okay. this puzzle here. Okay, I think I'm getting it. Tricky. Uh, on the last day of 1961, December 31st, Green Bay Packers beat the brakes off the New York Giants 37-0. Fucking <laughs> beat the brakes <laughs> off them, dude. To win the NFL championship, since it actually wasn't called the Super Bowl back then. In the 60s? Yeah. When did that start? Pro- maybe late 60s, well, 70s. Well, what Super Bowl are we on right now? Oh God, fifty-five. Shit, Is pushing there something really? like that. Yeah. Fucking a. So it probably started in like sixty-five. Yeah. Well, it would, it would start at that point after. in sixty-seven. Yeah, definitely a couple years after. If Just because, probably because the Green Bay Packers literally beat the brakes, beat off, the brakes off of thirty-seven. Them. They're like, hey, we gotta they do should get different. a fucking trophy for that, dude. That <laughs> well, was crazy. That needs a better name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And that was what 1961 looked like. Uh, in between all of those events, you've got society, if you cared, pretty much on edge about the growing tensions. But if you didn't care... For two wars? Yeah. At one point? There well, were de- you, you know for a fact there were a ton of people that were like, this is going to blow over. Yeah. Yeah. But there's <laughs> also did. a ton of people, I'm sure, that were like, we're going to get nuked by Russia. Yes. We're going to get nuked by Cuba. Yep. And then we're going to get blown up by Vietnam because yeah. we just started a war there. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Uh, but All while racial tensions are on the rise. Yes. So when people Sweet. tell you that the 60s was an era of peace, you uh, they are not <laughs> correct. <laughs> I will say that. Um, but yeah, that's what 1961 looked like. Past the time, people are watching the fucking apartment or whatever else won an Academy Award. Yeah, whatever. The horse with the flying Spartacus. tail. Spartacus, um, too. Watching Division the Celtics. Classics. Yankees, Packers play well in their respective sports. So Driving their core bears. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about entertainment and life to fill in some of those gaps. Um, if you remember in 1960, The Twist was a popular dance at the time mm-hmm. by Chubby Checker. Checker. Uh, this year, it was The Pony. Ooh, also also by Chubby <laughs> 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 Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that's do that for a little all the time that's nice of you bless up that was also by chubby checker so this dude just created oh, dance moves whoa but dude we'll hear more about chubby checker still yet to come Shit. 1961 the 60- he ain't a one-hit wonder no well, well one sec uh well was- <laughs> no i didn't say that there was also a toy car i looked up like famous toys from this time that was released with a toy gas pump as well 
and you would fill the gas pump with water then plug it into the car to pretend you were pumping gas <laughs> and that kids, is gas. kids were like i need that yeah i would have loved that as a kid dude. i don't even know if the car ran oh no you're just filling a car with water yeah but that's sweet can i can I get fucking three get, on pump seven? Yeah, exactly. You'd be like your old man. <laughs> like and uh, old man. pack of Marbreds. You know, you can't even pump your own gas in certain places. Yeah, like still New to Jersey. This day. Yeah, Jersey can't do it. Yeah, because they're just like trying to, you know, make I mean, I more guess money it's a job. That's fair, I guess. But it's a useless job. Do you have to pay them or do your taxes pay them? I don't know. I wonder if you tip them, if that's like the culture out there. You're I feel like it's got to be like them. you're probably like, supposed to tip them. It's got to be related to a mob thing, like they did with all like the garbage yeah, unions. Yeah, they're probably they're literally you know? probably uh, union workers. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, and they can't get fired at this point. Mm-hmm. And any legislation that stops them is going to get whoever passes it's like fucking knees broken. Yeah, you get, you get 86, <laughs> 80 miles. You're gonna out. get Doc eighty six. Yeah. Right? Doc eighty six. Oh um, my fucking yeah. god. Um, that is all hearsay and conjecture. That is all hearsay and conjecture. Uh, there was also the little girl's battery-operated first sewing machine. So Damn. get them started young. Right. Was there um, also a dishwashing simulator or something? Probably, probably, probably. For fuck's sake. Uh, but that's all kid shit, you know? Yeah. What about cinema? What about art? You know, we already talked about the apartment. The culture. But what were the top five movies in the United States? 1961. No, it wasn't Swiss Family Robinson. Guess one of them. That's right. That's because that was 1960. Just guess one. No. Uh, Sound of Music. Uh, No. One more guess. You're not going to get a single one of them. There's one that's kind of famous. Um, uh, I think you uh, read the book maybe in in ninth grade. The book maybe in ninth grade. It's about... No, 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 no. Oh, that's, that's the outsiders. The outsiders. Yeah, no, I was gonna say the outsiders. the outsiders, dude. Stay golden, pony boy. It is uh, so the first top five movies: West Side Story. That's oh, what it was. Okay, yeah. Uh, the, the musical, right? Yes. Uh, the Guns of Navarone. Navarone. Again, never heard of it. Um, El Cid. El Chid. El Kid. I don't know how it's pronounced. It's E L, like L, like the in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then CID, space CID. Cheed? So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's supposed to be like the kid. Cause that sounds like it would maybe be like a Western. Right. Uh, the, uh, the next one, the parent trap, which they remade with Lindsay wow. Lohan. Oh, wow, yeah, this wasn't dude. the Lindsay Lohan one. She's Lindsay not that old. Lohan was in a lot of old classics. <laughs> she man. was, uh, and Revamps then of old classics. Number five, the absent-minded professor, which sounds like the bootleg version of the nutty professor. It sounds like some X-Men shit to me. Oh yeah, it could be like Magneto, or it just sounds like a kid who like any any teacher at Central who just like watch <laughs> watch kids like <laughs> do nothing, spit chewing tobacco in the back of class. Yeah, that's sweet. Get topped off in the hallways between <laughs> fucking class. What was that one dude who had the? That you you snitched on, I fr- I don't know his name, but the dab torch yeah. that was fucking awesome. Fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah, the dab. I don't torch. remember your name, but I did not uh, like you very much. So yeah, he was that was wild card. That's what we called fucking him. wild card, we dude. Him wild he was card out of pocket. Remember his name? God damn! Um, and he was a wild card. Yeah, he brought a literal torch 
butane torch to fucking school. Yeah, and I ratted him out to my favorite you did teacher. Rat him out. Uh, who I'll was? Keep who her was, name private. Okay, I was gonna ask. I can't remember what teacher that was. It's too much details. Yeah, we don't need to expose them. <laughs> uh, so, if 1960 had a ton of old ancient fucking movies like Spartacus and Exodus, this year had a couple of fucking western sounds. Kind of like. switching the culture a little bit. Yeah, a little here, slanging. A little there. Um, what about screens in the house too? What were people watching? Again, westerns. Fucking wagon train, gun smoke. What? I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> uh, the Twilight Zone and Yo. Andy Griffith were killing it. Those are Yo. kind of the top four. Fucking a! I did not. I knew, I knew the Twilight Zone was old. Shout out Officer Barney. What's that from? Uh the Andy Griffith show. I've never even seen that. What? What is it? Why? Why? Give what? Me, why? Why would I watch that? Because it was just a really like cool campy. How did you have access to that show? Because that's all I watched growing up. Were you born in nineteen fucking fifty eight? No, you but TV lucky for me, my grandparents are fucking ancient, or would be. Damn. Rest in pieces. <laughs> but. What? Someone here? <laughs> oh, okay. You're just like Smash looking. Just no, I saw a squirrel jump in the window Fucking looking over my you. shoulder, figuring right, out. This is bad radio. <laughs> 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 what about the bookworms, though? You know, what of them? What the of leads. them? What? Or what's not? Well, this was a pretty good year, too. Uh, Catch-22 came out, which is another cinema classic. Er, fucking cinema classic. Literary classic. Uh, as did where the red fern grows. Yo, which are both God, really that good book books. Is sad. That book is fucking sad. Where the red fern grows sucks because of how sad it yeah, is. Yeah, because it'll break your heart, break your damn heart. And if you remember 1960, To Kill a Mockingbird was blowing up. Well, To Kill a Mockingbird was blowing up this year after being released in 1960. Right. They said, "Whoa, that's a really good book." Yeah, talks Man, about where a lot. the red fern. Pretty sure that grandpa got struck by lightning twice. All I know is the dogs die. Uh, Spoiler alert. Book's been out for 60 years. (laughs) (laughs) I think they've made like four movies too. Yeah, they did. Um, And if you didn't like reading or watching movies, here was the Billboard Hot 100 for 1961. Starting at number 100. (laughs) (laughs) Counting down the whole fucking list. And I actually did my research this time and listened to each of these tracks, did a little bit of like a my opinion on them. Okay. So coming in at number one was Tossin' and Turnin' by Bobby Lewis. Tossin' and Turnin'. Tossin' and Turnin'. Uh, it was a good song. Super groovy. I could I could see why it was number one. Actually, this whole top five is pretty fucking solid after what I listened to. Uh, at number two, we've got I Fall to Pieces by Patsy Cline, which is a sad hey, love song. Shout out Patsy Cline. I was just going to say, I love Patsy Cline, so I'm a little biased. Yeah. But that's a good song. That was number two. Number th- Oh, this one sucked. Uh, number three was Michael. By the Highwaymen, which so when you listen to it, I couldn't Michelle. tell, huh, Michelle? <laughs> I couldn't tell if this was a religious song or what, because it sounds like a hymn, like it sounds literally like a Christian like hymn. <laughs> Glory be, yeah, just shit like that. So I looked into it more, and the song was originally a song that was sung by former slaves during the Civil War. And 100 years later, it was number three on the fucking 1961 what Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, I mean, it was just a ton of, like, talented, like, white guys with record deals as the highwaymen. And they were like, hey, let's sing this old uh, unions, you know, like, freedom fighter 
former slave song and yeah. make a ton of money off of it. That sounds good. Let's profit off. Sounds of good. Violence. You're you're cool with that. You're yeah. cool with it. You're cool with that. We're all oh, we're sign? all cool with that. Oh wait, but you can't vote if I can't anyway. So you're cool. Sweet. Cool. You cool. don't have a vote. Cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. So we're good. Uh, number four <laughs> was "Crying" by Roy Orbison, and this is one of the few songs I had actually heard before research. But I'm always down to listen to the fucking Orbitron. You know, my boy. The Orb. <laughs> Roy Orbison. Uh, just a great song. Uh, number five was Runaway by Del Shannon. The intro guitar on this, pretty sick. I liked it. Uh, but I had never heard this song. I liked it too. Honestly, pretty pretty valid top five outside of number three, Michael by the Highwaymen. That song was huge in Europe too, according in to Europe? Lisa. Yeah, they this loved it. This went international. Um, honestly, uh, you know, I'm picturing like the uh, opening guitar riff from uh, God, what's that song? What is that? Uh, fucking I don't know, super slow intro. It's a famous band, whatever. Michael, but you know, yeah, it rings some bells, yeah. I also grabbed a couple other top 100 songs that I liked or knew of. Um, Run Around Sue by Dion. That's a great song. I think everybody's heard that. Dijon? No. (laughs) (laughs) You fucker. Um, That's a good song. You've heard that, right? No. Here's a little story about the girl I knew. I fell in love with my little still tune. I'm telling people when I'm telling you. I keep away from run around suit. That's a good song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it sounds great. Sounds great. You did a great <laughs> job. Thank you. I honestly like didn't want to stop before I got it, and then I was like, this is bad radio. Uh then you've got I've Told Every Little Star by Linda Scott, which is a great song. Another one I fucking love. That was also in Mulholland Drive. If you remember last episode I talked about Sixteen Reasons, which was oh, in Mulholland Drive. Yeah. I've told Every Little Star is also in Mulholland Drive. Great song, great movie. Uh, and then remember how I said Chubby Checker? He was coming back. Old Chubby Cheeks. <laughs> he released essentially the sequel to his 1960 hit, The Twist, titled Let's Twist Again. Whoa. <laughs> he he was, said, he just released a we're sequel. not done yet. He wasn't even a remix. <laughs> just a sequel. So he's making, it's a it's concept. It's like Shrek 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was Shrek 1 hit. So let's come back. Uh, that, We're coming back strong. The t- let's twist again. Because like I said, he also did the pony. So he already had a heater. <laughs> but then he was like, I, I I prefer the twist. And this song was at like 98 on the end of the year top 100. So it didn't. didn't I mean, that's still top bill. It was top bill. But, but also how many songs are playing on air? Prob- probably like 101. Right. <laughs> so that's it. Right. Um, and this year, like I was saying kind of earlier, not much changed in terms of economy, uh, so I won't cover all that again. Just remember that the conversion rate was about 9 so if you had $100 in 1960, 61 equaled about $900 today. Right. Um, you got about rat. Yeah. In terms of day-to-day life, you know, what cars were people driving, what homes could you buy, shit like that. Uh, this was the first year you could ever purchase an electric toothbrush. What? 1961. They made electric toothbrushes in 1961? It was probably, it said electric toothbrush. I'm sure it had like, you had to hook it up to a generator. (laughs) Yeah, and and by hand crank it and brush with the other hand. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Um, Hey, 
kind of sucking all the power. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just brushing my teeth. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? That's crazy, though. First year, 1961. Probably actually, like, zapped a couple folk. Oh, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people died on accident by that. Um, it probably did have to be plugged in. That's a good point. But right. then again, they had the battery-operated sewing machine for kids. True. I don't know, though. I don't know. I guess time. I don't know what batteries looked like. That's one thing that I should look into. What batteries existed? Because obviously my association with batteries is like double A. But I'm picturing that thing was like one of those big flashlights you have yeah, to get. Yeah, so like, it's what, got the fat ones. <laughs> yeah. Not nine not volts, those, like not yeah. the 232s, like yeah. the fucking, the big boys. It's the size of like a policeman's flashlight. So, side note, yeah. the first electric toothbrush was made in uh, 1939. Holy shit, that thing was like But didn't come what? into the U.S. until the 60s. Was that thing gas operated? Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Well, no, Greg, it's electric. AC only, straight to oh, the fucking dome, damn. I bet. That's a good point. God damn. That thing had to have had a fucking engine, though. Literally. You probably still had, a to, caboose, put, you had to put dude. oil in it. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, it didn't say gas, but you need to get those gears. Still got to lubricate it up or something. That's, oh. Wow, that, interesting. Thank you for looking that up. We'll, we'll rely on that more. Uh, this was also the first year you could watch a movie in flight, which I think is crazy. I bet you didn't even have to pay for it. I'm sure you didn't. Because yeah, so probably, TVs just came out, really. The concept of first class, pro- I, I'm sure it was on a projector. I doubt it was on oh, TV. Oh, right. They're, yeah. yeah, not fine. You see? Yeah, because the just TVs those box are TVs. huge. Yeah. The 300 pounders. They can't fit four people on the plane because <laughs> of the weight distribution will be fucked. Sorry, we got too many uh, TVs. We got a 22-inch TV, and if you're in row 22, get, you hope you brought fucking binoculars. Good luck. Andy Griffith, Griffith is on, and I hope you can He's read probably, lips. Leave it to beavers <laughs> coming up next. Um, The average home cost at this time, fucking $13,000 all that shit nothing really changed no not from 1960 uh people new cars like i looked up so last year or last 1960 i looked up kind of like popular cars this year i specifically looked at what cars came out in new models because it wasn't always kind of like how it is nowadays and even like ford with the mustang Mm -hmm. how they release like a new model pretty much every year not every company did that so if you see like there will be certain cars that you can't find, like a 1962 of, and a 1962 is like the same as this, this, or this. Right. I don't because they didn't yeah. technically make them. They were cool with it year. riding for a year out right. or something. So I don't know if these necessarily were, um, you know, like like that. Like I don't know if there wasn't a 1960 version of any of these cars. But this was a list of new cars that came out that year. Buick Skylark, which. All these look pretty fucking sweet when you look them up. Dodge Dart, um, Dart. Ford Falcon, yeah, Imperials, uh, Mercury Monterey's, Oldsmobile F85s. Dude, that is one thing I didn't really realize. Oldsmobile used to make some mean muscle cars. They were not just station wagons. Uh really? Yeah, like a look up like a Olds look up an Oldsmobile F85 and then look up like an Oldsmobile like 662. They Let's are see, mean. Yeah. They're they're those cars are worth like a hundred thousand dollars nowadays. <laughs> Oldsmobile F eighty five. Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool looking. Um, and cool. then the what? I think it's like a six six two. Six two. Yeah. Oldsmobile six six two. I think. 
Anyway, I mean, they're just like mean muscle cars. And I, I, I yeah, what the fuck? I always thought that that what? was just like a Dodge Pontiac fucking, and even like Dodge and Pontiac made real muscle. We're making sick shit back then, yeah. dude. Well, yeah, because like a fucking Ford wasn't, a Mustang really wasn't a muscle car. Like, if you really want to like nitpick, like what makes a muscle car a muscle car, Ford Mustang was just a sports car. Same with the Camaro. So was the Corvette. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Mustang hadn't even come out yet at this point. Corvette was out by now. Um, but not Mustangs. But yeah, those old Oldsmobiles are fucking sick. Those are straight the Cutlass, Cutlass Supreme. <laughs> All pretty sweet cars. Um, so yeah, life was good. Uh, but there were signs that it would not be so great in the years to come. Right? You know, you can see the downward trend. Uh, but we still need to talk a little bit about Louisiana, Sebastian. That we do. That we do. Uh, specifically Lake Charles. Located just two hours away from Houston, Lake Charles sits pretty close to the Louisiana-Texas border. Lake Charles? Lake Charles. Okay, got it. Uh, The city itself didn't really exist until 1855 when a lumber mill was built in the area. Uh, And it actually wasn't even formally a city until 1861, where it got real busy during the Civil War. So it wasn't a city until 1861, Exactly 100 years after it became a city, that's where our case takes place, Lake Charles, Louisiana. All right. Uh, And for a southern city at the time, like when it was created in the Civil War, it was surprisingly anti-slavery, like especially in Louisiana. You just wouldn't have pictured that, right? Yeah, especially based on what we just talked about fucking going down in Louisiana. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, why is that? Well, in the the Civil War, it wasn't completely pro-union. Um, but it wasn't as pro-Confederacy as you'd expect. Like, it was, from what I could tell, kind of 50-50, I suppose. But um, it was just really not that bad for Louisiana. Fucking eh. So. Got some bayous down there, it looks like. That is going to play an important role. Um, due to the expanding lumber industry... There are actually a row of mansions in Lake Charles called the Charpentier District. Charpentier. If you wanted to, if you wanted to look that up, they're just fancy houses that are from the 1800s, 1900s, shit like that. But that's just Lake Charles as a city. We got to get to 1961. So as the 1900s arrived, Lake Charles again experienced industrial growth as the result of a war. This time it was just World War II, not the Civil War. Uh, and it pretty much followed the pattern of every other suburb-type city at the time. Uh, jobs were there, so people showed up. And just like that, you've got yourself a full-fledged little city as 1961 approached. And as 1961 approached, so too did our case. So, the day is Thursday, February 16th, 1961. Historical weather reports say it was a pretty warm February, because I bothered to look that up. Uh, with the temp- <laughs> the temperature was about sixty five degrees at the time. Ooh. Uh, with a slight breeze Celsius, coming Celsius, I take it. No, not Celsius. <laughs> That'd be you would be dying. I know it's like one hundred thirty degrees. Yes, close. Um, with a slight breeze coming off the water. Because again, I looked up how fast the wind was blowing this day. Uh, the air was pretty thin. Nerd alert. <laughs> the, the air was pretty thin. It wasn't humid. 
Especially considering the city you pointed it out when you looked at the pictures is pretty swampy. It's a swampy little area. Swamp town. Swamp town. It was bayous on bayous. <laughs> if it's swampy nowadays, picture it even being definitely worse back then before they developed land. You know, like how we were talking in 1960, Nick Allen, Texas, had these just orange groves right in the middle of the city. So that's kind of the similar thing we got here in Lake Charles. You just kind of got swamps. There's a swamp. There's a swamp. It's just swamp. It's in it's in the bayou. Literally. Like it's only what a few miles north of the Gulf. Like it's yeah. it's swamp. It's swamp. It's swamp. Swamp. <laughs> swamp. Swamp. <laughs> the boom. The boom. All right. So Thursday, February sixteenth, nineteen sixty one, at the Gulf National Bank in Lake Charles, three employees, manager Jay Hickman and tellers Dora McCain and Julia Ferguson, they're just going about their day. Pretty much as average as can be. But as the day came to a close, a man walked in with money on his mind. But he wasn't seeking a small business loan. Ooh. If you catch my drift. Uh, <laughs> so who walked into the Gulf National Bank that evening? And that's not to set up a joke, you know, more so the plot. Okay. <laughs> a man walks in. <laughs> yeah, into a uh, bank. Well, that man was actually more of a kid. He was a 19-year-old named Wilbert Rideau. Are we talking Billy? Billy? Bilbert? Rideau? Bilbert the kid? Uh, Yeah, this dude Wilbert definitely deserves to be made fun of for being fucking named Wilbert. <laughs> Wilbert, that's a pig's name. That's a pig's name. You're a pig. Pig person? Yeah, you a big, big horn horn? Oh, piggy, Wilbert. TW on this episode, anybody named Wilbert? <laughs> yeah. You might want to click this one off because uh, it's just too easy. Yeah, it's we're not, not about, stopping. I here. didn't name you that. Your <laughs> parents made you a victim. Um, now this Rideau, Wilbert, Wilby, Willie, Will, Wilbert, Bilby. Uh, he he was a porter <laughs> at the Halpern's Fabric Shop, just a few buildings away from the Gulf National Bank. And I looked up what a porter was because I didn't know that job description. I'm not seeing it on an Indeed a lot this time yeah, of year. Yeah, not something I'm actively searching for. Need three years of porter's experience. Uh, a porter is pretty much like a bellboy, kind of. Like, the, a porter works, I guess, like more at like a hotel and shit like that. They were just kind of like an assistant, like almost like an assistant to a customer, but also like, I don't know. It's, like a, it's a, a customer service job. They buttled. They kind of buttled. Yeah. They buttled a bit. It's a real verb. Uh, so this Wilbert, who is I he? I don't know. I'm a doctor, <laughs> Uh, Wilbert was born February 13th, 1942 in Louisiana. Uh, yeah. It's unclear It's unclear where. I couldn't find his birth records or anything like that, so it's safe to assume. It's not that serious. <laughs> I looked him up. I don't care that much about Wilby. You would care. What if I told you he was born in Minneapolis? That'd then be kind of cool. that's a different story because what that's localized. What if I localized. told you he was born in Lincoln, Nebraska? I would not care. All right, cool, man. Fuck you, too. All right, fine, fine, fine. No, fine. Okay, then we'll just stop the podcast right here. No, I would care. No, I just don't I fuck with Nebraska like that. Yeah. Anywhere but. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Lake I Charles. Hear I hear you. No. <laughs> For example. He's born in Louisiana. Couldn't find his fucking birth records. Probably safe to assume. He's also, he, you know, he's a black man. Safe to assume it was probably like a home birth or something of that nature. You know, they didn't bother reporting. They just reported date. Didn't really matter where. Mm -hmm. um, it just happened, all right? Yeah. 
When he was six, his family moved to Lake Charles. So about 1948, since he was born in 1942. Um, so you assume he's local enough. Yeah. He then had to attend a racially segregated school, considering this is Louisiana. Yikes. It was required by law. All of that. Jesus. The two schools he ended up attending, Second Ward Elementary and the W.O. Boston Colored High School, that is the name of the high school, uh, was not known for their rigorous academic standards, oh. to put it one way. Cool, yeah. <laughs> is that surprising? I wonder where all the money for the uh, separated schools went to. What are you implying? <laughs> yeah. Are you saying that it went only to the white school districts? Yes. 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 <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, so as a result, he spent a lot of time out of class, way more time than he did in it. Uh, by 13, he started working full-time at a grocery store as a Sounds stock like boy. Outlaw. He's a bit of an outlaw, a bit of a wild card. Uh, he lied to the owner, claimed to be 16 so he could get a job. By the ninth grade, he was pretty much just known for his involvement in local petty crime, vandalism, slight slight theft, shit like that. Yeah. What I imagine 16-year-olds are doing in this would be 19 fucking... 58. Yeah, I mean, what we did when we were 16. Yeah, we tipped over porta potties. Yeah, we're not self-incriminating, though. No, no, no. I think it's also past the statute of limitations. I was uh-huh. a kid. Suckers. Suckers. <laughs> Get fucked. It was us. Yeah. You tipped over yeah, your porta potties. Yeah, the cops that talked to us, guess yeah, what? It you was got us. us. <laughs> you had Idiot. us dead to fucking rights, you <laughs> morons. Uh, but yeah, maybe not self-incriminating. But yeah, no, fuck you. We, yeah. got, we got away with it. Yeah. Uh, six <laughs> <laughs> Six years after he got his job uh, at, as a 13-year-old, um, he got another job, this time at the Halpern's Fabric Store. Also, by now, he was known to spend most of the time not in school or work. Uh, he was hanging out in pool halls and bars, which he had developed a bit of a reputation <laughs> also in these places for uh, disliking white people, which, you know, I think is probably justified at yeah, the time. I, I feel like, <laughs> like I would I, be feeling the same way. Yeah, I'm absolutely not holding that against him. No. Uh, from the store, from his store at Halpern's, he was able to see the Gulf National Bank and its customers, most of which were white business people, landowners, shit like that. People of status and comfortability, something that a group, you know, people who shit on him and he was, it didn't make him happy to see it. Yeah, uh, certainly. Every um, single day across the street. You got all these people and you just know they're probably walking out with like, especially like I remember going to like banks and even like car lots. Like when I didn't have like a concept of money, I was just like the idea that somebody has this money is has just upsetting like to me. Cash in yeah. the bank. <laughs> I was like, like, you guys can just go do what you want. <laughs> whenever you want. Exactly. That's not right. Um, Which... All of this brings us to February 16th, 1961. Damn. So Wilbur Rudeau, Rudeau waited until he saw no customers enter or leave the bank for about 30 minutes before he walked into Gulf National that evening. He drew a pearl-handled 22 caliber pistol that he had gotten from a pawn shop. Just a little pea shooter. And we don't know who he, who he pulled it on, but it was one of the tellers, so either Dora McCain or Julia Ferguson. Um... Told them, you know, fill it up, fill up the briefcase, which they loaded up fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Holy shit! Today, multiplied by nine. Exactly. Today is one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Sheesh. That's not a bad haul. Nope. Quick lick. Um, but that money wasn't enough for him. Oh. In the moment, in the bank, he kind of probably had a moment of self-realization, realized what he was doing. Um, 
He was also, according to him, startled by a phone that had begun ringing loudly in the office. So he panicked. These two, right, so he panics, and these two tellers and the manager were witnesses. And as it was, uh, as if if he was going to escape out of town, he needed a head start, which means no witnesses. Uh, so as any logical criminal might think, do I kill him here? Do I kidnap them? Kill nah. him here. Kill him here. Or kidnap him, Sebastian. Kill him here. Cool. He kidnapped him. Coward. <laughs> um, at gunpoint, he forced. You, no, because you up? know when you kidnap someone, it just leads to problems in the future. Yeah, and then you know it just is a, an aggravator. It, yeah, it, it makes it things a lot worse. The inevitable for your plan. Yeah, or maybe or, hey, maybe you just let him go at like a drop him off at a CC's Pizza. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a big thing in the South. CC's. It's not around here. Little Waffle House, maybe. Go to a pizza ranch. Little That's pizza ranch. Here. They gotta be down yeah. south. So right, maybe, maybe if you kidnap them, would I rather be murdered on site or kidnapped? Probably murdered on site. Yeah, I don't want to be kidnapped. Yeah, I don't want to go to so a second terrifying. location. I don't want. I don't want like any restraints put on me. No. Also, you don't know if this dude is maybe into handsome young men, which yeah, of course. Then I would. Unfortunately, <laughs> then just I'd be, be a little more eyes. worried. Yeah, I don't know. So. At gunpoint, he forces the three of them into the car from a parking lot, and he made them one of one of their cars. Again, it's a white sedan. I think uh, I tried to find like court records. It was not explicitly clear whose car they took, but there were pretty much just three cars in the parking lot: one of Dora's, one of Julia's, one of the bank manager Jay's, and they just took one of them. Yeah. So because he didn't have a car. Yeah, he walked from fucking the grocery Hopper. store. Yeah. yeah, across the street, uh, and he made them dra- drive pretty much to the edge of the bayou swamp edge of lake charles told them to pull off on a narrow gravel lane and it was there told them all to get out and let me remind you it is pitch black at this point in time well again this this part isn't clear because this from what i could tell it was like pitch black February, you know, this is it, late, it gets late dark. In the day. Yeah, it gets dark at like four thirty. Right, especially um, in the bayou. Yes, and those canopies are just completely blocking out the sun. So it's pitch black. Plus, you're in the fucking bayou. You're being held at gunpoint. <laughs> Had to have been fucking <laughs> terrifying. I cannot even imagine that. Yeah, no thanks. But things were only going to get worse. That's a horror movie. That's a horror movie. They unfortunately were not dropped off at a CC's Pizza. Ooh. And he just like flips them like ten bucks for their trouble. Yeah, here you go. Ah, dude, guys. So, I'm sorry about that. You guys get it though, right? Like right. you do the same if you're in my <laughs> shoes, right? Hey, what up? Come on. What was that? Did I give you a ten? Yeah. Licks hey, his no, finger. Hey, I'm gonna give you twenty. We're we're cool, right? We're good. No, we're good. Okay. You're not gonna tell on old Wilbur now, are you? Yeah. No. 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 Come no, on, Willie. Wilby. Wilbur. Wilbert. So, Wilbert. with the three of them, again, so here we have one story that is told and one story that later comes out in court. So, I'll tell you the story as it was told initially. Okay. Lay it on me. With the three of them standing side by side in front of the headlights, again, that's got to be fucking terrifying because you can picture just like... If somebody were to stand in front of those headlights, you wouldn't be able to make out their features. You just no. see the outline of yeah, them of someone blocking with a the gun. light. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rideau had two options. He took him far enough out, let him walk back to town, you know, and then fucking he'd have his head start or kill them there, leave him for the Gators. He chose option two. 
Oh. Yeah, he didn't leave him there. Oh, okay. Then why uh, even bother kidnapping him? Exactly. The, so This is what I'm saying. It just creates headaches further down the road, guys. You, you got to plan you gotta, ahead. You got to plan ahead. You got to have an exit strategy. You have to, dude. Everywhere you go, you have to have an exit Know the plan. exits. Em- emergency exits. You ever get on a plane? They tell you where they all are. They do that for a reason. They do that for a reason. In case you're going to murder three people. <laughs> right. Then you know where <laughs> then to you know where to get go. Out. Uh, so yeah, like a firing squad, he just fucking emptied his pistol into all three of them. Jesus Christ. Uh, the three hit fucking the ground. Wilbur, what the hell, man? Literally. 19 years old. Jeez. Yeah, so he's kind of, uh, escalated from his petty crime. Yeah, yeah, it's not <laughs> and, so uh, much tipping over Lake port Charles at, this, at this point, <laughs> you and I should probably disassociate <laughs> yeah. with his behavior as a teenager. Yeah, well, we were talking 16, now he's 19, yeah. you know. When I was 19, I was just drinking with a fake ID. Right. That's, That's it. That's it. That's not so bad. A couple few lines of cocaine, maybe two. But since but hey, cocaine, you know, that was crazy. I was 19. <laughs> I was 19. Okay. Um, three of them hit the ground immediately. Uh, Teller, Dora, McCain, and, well, so the three hit the, the ground 22, immediately. The 22, dude? The 22. Huh. The, yeah. Those, I mean. Just the, a little pea shooter, the dude. The bullets will kill you, but it will, uh. I hope you aim for the head, because otherwise, yeah. I mean, if you're I shot mean, with the 22, will. you can... They'll kill you, but this is also like a, a 1960s 22. How fast does that go? Like a 1,000 feet per second? I was just going to say, because this, this, like, this is back when they were making like random caliber guns. Like I want to yeah. say there was like a 23 caliber, like a gun that doesn't even exist Some anymore. random shit. Yes. And it was probably just really cheaply made. So yeah, uh, if you get shot, like especially out in the bayou, the fucking gators... That would be the worst part. Is like you're you're that death roll. You're injured enough that you probably can't make it back. You either have you pretty much like if you started to walk and like get like your blood pumping. Yeah, I don't know if you're gonna make it back. You'd probably pass out. Yeah. So are blood you, loss and such. But you would have to just sit there then and wait for either somebody to come find you or the gators to yeah, come find you. Something to come find you. Something or someone. So three hit the ground immediately. And Dora McCain and Jay Hickman are immediately just motionless. But the other teller, Julia Ferguson, was still alive. And after hearing what she probably likely thought was the sound of Rideau getting back into the car, she attempted to stand up. Uh, But Rideau had not gotten back into the car. He watched as she struggled to her knees, and that's when he came up behind her, pulled out a knife from his back pocket, and according to testimony, he leaned in next to her ear and told her, don't worry, it'll be cool and quick. In one motion, flipped open his knife, stabbed Julia Ferguson in the chest before slitting her throat, ultimately killing her. Literally like a fucking savage. Hey, Wilburn, that's not cool. That's actually. I'm glad we're making fun of your name now. Yeah. Good riddance, dude. So, where was cool I? and quick. Don't worry, yeah. honey. How terrifying is cool. that? That might what? be the scariest part. Yeah, see, like two of presumably friends, if you're working with them, you know. Right. Get blasted after you're kidnapped. You think you're like, oh, he left. I can get up. Right. No. No, he's still there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Rado got back in his car and peeled off with 14k, leaving the three bodies behind. There was a catch. Dora McCain and Jay Hickman survived. 
Oh. Yep. Uh, Dora took a bullet to the neck, and Jay took what? one to the arm, and both of them just pretended to be dead. They just... I mean, th- like you were just saying, imagine seeing two of your friends die, and then that happens to you. I can't imagine how terrifying it would be <laughs> to sit still while you hear your coworker getting stabbed and her fucking throat slit. And you know that if you make a move, that's you. I have this literally the same exact thing is going to happen. Probably yeah. worse. He's probably going to be mad. <laughs> He's you take your fucking scalp for oh all we know, God, dude. God, dude. Um, no way. I mean, obviously it's not their fault. Like, you know, you can't expect them to like stand up and be like halt. Yeah. Hey, Cr- criminal scum. <laughs> Let her go. <laughs> yeah. As he just no, I would also pretend to be dead. Throws his fucking knife and it hits you between yeah. the eyes <laughs> through your fucking skull. Dude. Um, and if it's it's this is again where it's not clear if a passenger found or like a car like found Jay and Dora or it's not clear how they got back to town, but news. At least Jay, he got shot in the arm. Like if yeah, he was fine. He probably was fine. Her getting shot in the neck again. Circle it back. It's a twenty-two. Not really a big gun. It can, you can miss. survive. It can miss a lot of things. Yeah, I've been shot by a pellet gun before. Yeah, and sometimes some of those twenty-twos, especially like if they deflect off something, like it just slows them yeah, down. Yeah, lose all of their force. Yeah. Bang. So, news of the murder and the robbery spread. Literally like fucking wildfire. This is this is this probably, big news. Yeah, so this is probably I'll talk about it in a sec. So my guess is somebody probably walked into the bank. This is just my theory because I couldn't find a ton of information. My guess is somebody walked into the bank just before they were probably supposed to close. Like somebody probably walked in at four fifty nine, yeah. being like a oh, shit, gotta cash shit my customer. Check. Yeah, yeah, like the customer banks probably fucking hate. And he walked in, and he was like. Oh hello! But he saw nobody. Is uh, is anybody here? <laughs> hey, I'm here to be an inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, where um, is everybody? Hey, I'm supposed to be inconveniencing people. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody here to inconvenience. <laughs> um, maybe the person talked to your manager. Manager? Okay, manager's not oh, even here. Jen, that seems a little. I always weird, went, right? I was off at two thirty. I specifically <laughs> waited until four fifty nine. I had time. This was. Kind of what I was looking forward to was like the look of anguish on these people's face. As I came in to cash my check, it's not even a big check. No, it's It's eighteen cents. Yeah, but I want it all in pennies. It's a tax refund too. Yeah, it's a Menards rebate actually. Damn, there's nobody in here to inconvenience. And then my yeah, I better call the cops about him. Hey guys, there's you. You will not believe this. Who can? You will not believe how inconvenienced I've been. I have been inconvenienced. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the person saw a drop of blood or something, called the cops. That's my best guess as to how like it got handled so quickly. Because again, speculation couldn't find sources. But following, say follow we let's follow that proposed theory. I assume cops spoke with anyone at the scene who may have known whose cars in the parking lot belonged to who, mm-hmm. and the one that was missing was the one that they were looking for. Right. So, which would make sense. Yeah. Rideau only made it about 11 miles outside of town by the time he was caught. So he was caught pretty goddamn quick. Wilbert? Yeah. Oh. Rideau, the arresting officer at the time, would go on to say that, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to pronounce this correctly, Calcaso. It's, it's for French. It's like Creole, C A L C A S I E U. 
Looks like some. We took we took French together, Sebastian. Calcuso. 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 The Calcuso Parish Sheriff Ham Reed is this guy, not Ham the Chimp. Not Not to be confused with American Hero, because this Ham Reed is a fucking scumbag. Believe it or not, a Southern Sheriff, Southern Louisiana Sheriff is a scumbag. Yeah. Say what? So the arresting officer pulled over Rideau. He would say that Ham Reed. The sheriff got in contact with him and told him to stay put and wait 11 miles outside of town so Reed himself could drive out there, pick up Rideau, then drive him back and be him, the sheriff, be, be the one the who hero. brought him in. Exactly. What a um, dick. Meanwhile, news back in Lake Charles continued to spread. And like I was saying, this is like the craziest part because you would think it's damn near modern times with how fast this news spread. You know, like. We can get cell phone notifications yeah. of an Amber Alert. Immediately. Yeah, it's always saying as like soon as it goes Nissan out. Rogue. Mm-hmm. Fucking Nissan Sentra. Red Nissan Rogue. They're uh, always, license plate. <laughs> they're literally always fucking Nissans. Yeah, what's up with that? You drive a Nissan. Yeah. What are you implying? You're gonna see this an looks Amber like, Alert. Sounds like you already know. Well, good thing you don't even know my license plate number. Fuck, I don't. You're yeah, right. see? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if I just rattled it on the top of my head. Um, but that is seriously, essentially, how quickly the citizens of this city found out in 1961. Just, like, boom. Let, let me remind you, tens of thousands of people in this city at this time. It's not a small town, necessarily. Right. You know, it's it, it, probably close to, like, McAllen, Texas, last week. I mean, tens of thousands. It's a lot of people, dude. A lot. Of, yeah, it's not like a town, like, 200 people right where you can get everybody i have friends that have grown up in towns of 1200 that was me like yeah yeah (laughs) that's insane yeah anyway tens of thousands that's not a lot of people that's not a lot of people and i don't even think i would have gotten fucking news you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like um and that yeah that was in the fucking early 2000s before i moved here so anyway uh anyway never mind the fact that like you couldn't even do like a giant alert. And if you did, the news broadcast stations had to get the information first, then get like talent, like uh, the fucking people to read it. Like yeah. there, there were like different steps that you had to take instead of like a computer program in the police station saying, notify everybody of an answer. Breaking alert. news. Yeah. Um, so by the time Sheriff Reed got to the courthouse in Lake Charles with Rideau. The dickhead, Ham. Ham Reed in his backseat, or he had Rideau in his backseat. A white mob had already formed outside wanting their version of justice. And luckily, even though he was the type of scumbag who wanted to take credit for the arrest, Reed wasn't the type to just fucking hand him over or be like, oh, no. I left the doors unlocked from the outside. Don't drag him out. Uh, He took him in the back entrance. Okay, but so he was still, like, morally responsible to some degree. Yeah, a little bit. Right. He had the slides out. He probably would have rather seen him get, like, the death penalty. You right. know what I mean? Like, he's, but he's not that sadistic. To, you know, yeah, throw a dude to the mom when there's yeah. justice to be done. Uh, but before I get into more details, let's quick postulate. Do we think Rideau, a black teenager who had just attempted to murder two white people and successfully murdered one white person would have benefited from proper police procedure in this predominantly white town? You got a guess? Uh, my guess is no, sir, they would not. <laughs> you going to lock that in? Uh, final answer. Final answer? Final answer, no. 
Mr. Wilbert Rudeau would not benefit from a predominantly white courthouse. Damn, you're good. Uh, yeah, no, he didn't. So, <laughs> no, you're right. That's spot on. Uh, he was not asked if he wanted a lawyer or told that he had any right to an attorney. Uh, so essentially he wasn't Mirandized, which at this time was a law. Uh, he was not allowed to see anyone, not even his mother, who had fucking braved the mob to go into the courthouse to see her son. Oh. Um, which I don't know if you're necessarily allowed to always see your parents, but, you know, they put you between the glass on the phone, you know. Right. <clears throat> at least. You're at least. I don't. Either way, he was not notified of any of his rights. Um, Sheriff Ham Reed held Wilbert, kept him from communicating with everyone until Ham Reed could arrange for the local television station to put in a hidden camera. And I don't know if it's behind like the two way glass or like in a corner Hidden camera, film him interviewing Wilbert Rideau. In this interview, you know, he's... You, you've seen, like, the first 48 where they, that like... That could not have been a very hidden camera. That's, a, I, that's exactly what too. I thought, but it's described as a hidden camera. Well, they're still big today. No, I know, but, you know... So, they like... Could, I don't know. He, right. It was secretly filmed. It was described as, as such, so I'm going to follow with it. Okay, cool, but, yeah. But you know how, like, you've seen, like, the first 48 where they, like, sit in, like, a tactical arrangement where the fucking suspect is, like, being, like, surrounded by, like, Spit chairs. Roasted. Yeah. Um, they did that tactic. Fucking. Oh, my goodness. So, he has cops surrounding him. Hidden interview. Doesn't know he can even, like, stay silent. Thinks he probably has to answer all these questions. Uh, the sheriff described the, described all the crimes. He's like, you know, we got a dead body out there in the swamp now. We got two other victims, gunshot wounds now. Now, you ain't got something to say about that now. Do you know? Do you know? Uh, Rideau pretty much just said yes. He he agreed that it was him, agreed to everything, just hey, said. I goofed. Hey, don't we get all, all we all get one, right? Yeah. Everybody gets one goof. Everybody at the pool hall was telling me I get one goof em up. Mm -hmm. And it kind of is on like a rotating cycle. Like you get one per like decade type of situation. <laughs> and this I is decided my, to take this one. Yeah. I, this is my one for my tens. You know, I'm mm -hmm. 19, so I'm not 20 yet. So this is my last one. Until then I'm I'll 20. get another one in my 20s. Right. Yes. No. <laughs> so. No, you do not get a goof from my Wilbur. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who told you that, <laughs> but no. <laughs> they like have a brief moment of sympathy. Like, this kid thinks he gets a... a he he a, described it to me as a goof-up. <laughs> Man, uh, we really no. are underfunded in their Damn. schools. <laughs> Holy shit. We might know this in, nah, let's not, let's not worry about it. No, 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 no. They'd be doing too much. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> fuck that. Uh, so anyway, this... I had, I had to think of how I was going to word it. So... It was filmed by a news company, right? Pretty much to jerk off Ham Reed and his superior police work. Right. In it, he's the big dog. Wilbert Rideau essentially confesses to the whole thing. Now, what do you think they did with this tape? You think they held it in the police station? Held it local? Hey, for, you know, close eyes only? No, there's absolutely no way they did that. Are you going to final answer lock that in? I'm going to lock it in that they uh, tried to release it everywhere they can. Bro, you're two for two. Uh, they aired it uh, 24 hours straight almost for three days Holy in a row. Holy shit. On all local networks. Wow. Putting him on blast and also being like, look at Mr. Sheriff Reed. 
Hey, dude. Look at him go. The ham. Have you seen Sheriff Reed's biceps? Dude, he's looking fit. <laughs> it looks like Magic Mike in there, dude. <laughs> uh, and at this time, we talked a little bit about it in 1960, actually. Ruby Bridges went to a school in Louisiana. All of this stuff, there is a ton of racial tension in Louisiana. And here we have a black kid admitting to killing one white person and yeah. trying to kill I wonder two. how that affected. Would that taint a jury pool, potentially? Maybe. Who Maybe, am I to say? Yeah. I don't have a degree from No, Harvard. that's hearsay, though. Hearsay. You know, speculation. There's no way it would have, yeah. Strike it from the record. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Do not um, write that down. So, if you remember, Ruby Bridges, at this time, Louisiana was fighting back on all of that. You know, they were telling the federal government that we don't want to integrate any of our schools. Um, white parents kept their children out of schools. Like, all of this shit. So, the state legislature passed a bill to abolish public education and to sell all of the school buildings rather than integrate. That was something Louisiana just what? said, we're going to do this. How about... If you want this, we will have no school, hey, actually. No. Yeah. You were literally right on the head. I wanted to bring it up earlier. What the I wanted fuck? to bring it up earlier, but you kept fucking hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> literally, like you said, oh, man, maybe those schools aren't too good for him. Uh, yeah. So racial tensions were in a bit of a high. Yeah. You know, there was... Uh, maybe a little bit worse here than they were elsewhere. You could pluck a couple notes on those strings uh so yeah you can imagine when this is aired on your news network and you got fucking channing tatum sheriff reed i doubt this dude even looks close to channing tatum no i didn't look was, up a picture he of him, was a definite honk I, I imagine he looked like fucking like doug dimidome like just like snapping damn dimidome. big old fat mustache are you gonna look up sheriff ham reed quick? i'm looking ham reed okay well i looked up just ham reed and i'm getting pictures of ham like so the I meat think, the lunch meat yeah well, or like looks, the roast. It looks, yeah, the roast. Okay. Well, we'll we'll circle back this like, for good radio. Um, Henry A. Ham. So, is that? Did you find him? Yeah. Can you do a physical description <laughs> for the people at home <laughs> and for me? I'm on the edge of my seat here. Okay. Um, by what it appears to be, let me look through a couple more sources. I see some modern ones. Lake okay. Charles, Louisiana. He might. Yep. No, he's probably not alive still. No. Okay. Do you have a death date? Does it kind of correlate? Let's see here. I would picture this guy died maybe in like 2000. I guess that would kind of make sense because he looks to be. Let's see here. Let's go to the archive space and Beaumont. Perfect. I'll let you continue to do that while I give you a little bit more information. Oh, yeah. Lay it on me. So. Racial tensions are high. Wilbert was immediately the only suspect. He was the public suspect. And while he did do it, you know, the fact that it was so broadcast so quickly, especially like in their own words, you know, we get mug shots, right? Like nowadays you see mug shots on the news. Yeah. Imagine that mug shots just like I did it. Just like, and that's all you see. Anytime you see the mugshot, they also play like a Vine or a fucking TikTok. Right. Like I'm saying I did it. So... Wilbert's family was harassed by callers who promised, promised his mother that they would give their son the rope if he didn't get the chair. So, wow. That, imagine calling somebody's mother and saying that. Hey, just heads up. Um, I think just heads up, we're doing a PTA thing. You know, we got church potluck coming up. I was told that you were bringing Jello salad. 
Uh, by the way, if BT your son dubs. if your son doesn't get the chair, we'll give him the fucking rope. Um, there were people who would sit across. There were white people who would sit in their cars in right outside of the Rideau's family home, drinking beer, just getting hammered, and just sitting on the hoods of their cars yelling at the family like through the winters throwing their beer cans at this fucking family's windows tomatoes whatever yeah. they can dude did you find a picture of ham reed i have multiple go of ahead henry a ham reed nice go ahead and give us a physical description quick. okay so there's no dates on these um i think this one actually might be like 1940 okay Maybe he's a young-looking buck. Um, is this when he uh, looked like Channing Tatum? He actually is he handsome? He was handsome at the time. Uh, that'll happen, you know. Chis- chisel jaw, jaw kind of wonky ears, offset eyes, but in a way that's like fitting, kind of like endearing. Yeah, they yeah. like because it's proportional to his long face. He looks lanky. Yeah. Um, this is off of a newspaper clip. Okay. And then in the next one I found is a portrait of uh, Sheriff Henry Ham Reed gotcha. signing copies of his book titled The Marijuana Story. Oh, no. Which I can only imagine is a lot I'd, of propaganda. I would imagine. Copaganda. Copaganda. <laughs> um, and in this one, he looks uh, to be about 60. Okay withered um gained a lot of weight balding stress he has bags under his eyes he looks like a third hand man to a mob boss he's got a pinstripe suit looks like a fake rolex sitting on there trying to pretend like he's big meat cool well i'm excited he's the big ham he's the big ham I'm excited to look that up but we got to get back to willie b rideau yeah let's hear about him wilbert Um, Two weeks after he was arrested, March 1st, 1961, he was formally indicted by a grand jury. Um, Also, let me go ahead and describe to you what this jury looked like. Do you have a guess? Uh, White. Oh, dude, you are. White, 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 white. You're on fire. You nailed all of them. Okay, cool. They uh, (laughs) obviously (laughs) fucking found him immediately, you know, guilty. Um I will say, though, there was one black gentleman who was picked for this commission or this uh, grand jury, but fun fact, he was a yard man laborer who worked specifically for one of the police commissioners, so ah. maybe he was potentially trying to get a favor in his pocket, which, again, you can't blame him. Also, when you have 11 other dudes who are like, hey, uh, if you don't say he's guilty, we'll make sure that you're the next one up. So why don't you just go ahead and peach. pop on in this little grand jury, say pop you it, agree with us, lock it, so we're not racist, put it in your pocket, put it in your pocket, and hey, maybe we'll reduce the price of that parking ticket. You're not getting off for free. Don't, no. No way. No chance. Anyway. Maybe we'll get a raise. They just shake their head. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, so after he's indicted and arraigned, the court appointed him two attorneys who were technically civil lawyers, so they were supposed to be the ones who could who could best defend him. 
Uh, but funnily enough, neither of them had ever handled a criminal case. Interesting. Which I Is think that, huh? this got to be my first one. A lot of preparation. This 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 climate seems a little tricky. Maybe you want somebody with an experience, a case under their belt. Nah, I don't know much. Nah, I think we're good on that actually. Also, couple put in that, the newbies. They were also given less than six weeks to prepare their defense, which you know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of work that goes into preparing a defense. A lot of interviews you have to do. A lot of reading, cross examinations, um, you know, research. They did do something very good. They asked for the trial to be moved away because of the fucking interview being put on all the local TVs. Right. I mean, it, like we said, it had been essentially on for a 24 hour loop for three days straight. So. Everybody. Hey, had seen maybe it at we should. Pr- if we're ever gonna give this guy justice, maybe we should take it away because it's a pretty tainted jury pool. Yeah, you got this heavy, heavy, heavy propaganda going on right now about this guy. The court refused to move the trial. Ah. They said he'll be fine. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows about this case. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll get a fair and just trial. Yeah, no, no, no. this one's actually been swept under the rug a little bit. Uh, this. The fucking trial courtroom at this time was standing room only. Every fucking pew was filled. It was sold like it was sold out like a fucking concert. Yeah. Um, they took away spaces from the lawyers' benches and roped it off so they could squeeze in like eight more people. You know what I mean? Like they, they took away <laughs> space from the lawyers and were like, "We need a couple more people in here." Yeah, it was a full house again. People wanted to see this dude. I will let you wager another guess. What did the people who (laughs) wanted to see this trial look like? Mm. I'm not going to make you count them all out this time because 450 people packed themselves into the courtroom (laughs) that max capacity could fit 300. Holy shit. An extra. They were over by fucking 50% and they were white. Yeah. Yeah. Every single one. Of I figured them. out. I'd they figure literally out. just wanted to see this dude get murdered. And like you pointed out earlier with the grand jury, the uh, real jury, the ones that dictate the actual outcome of the case, you know, the grand jury just determines if you're going to be charged with a crime. Mm-hmm. The actual jury determines if you are guilty of that of crime. Of that crime. Looked an awful lot like the um, grand jury one. This time, though, they were like, hey, we gave we put one black person on the grand jury. Let's just get that yeah. out of here. We already did that. That was our token black dude. All for white this case. All male jury. Nice. Um, the judge refused to disqualify any person who was friend. Which again, you know, when you're going through jury picking, you know, yeah, you, they you, ask you questions yeah, to make sure like, you are. It's actually ex- unbiased. Exactly. It's exactly why if I was picked for jury duty, I would say something that would get me immediately thrown off. Right. I would say, like, I just don't think that I can side with a police officer. Mm-hmm. You know, like some shit like that. Um, yeah, but the judge has final say. Judge refused to disqualify anybody who is a friend or relative of any of the victims or the witnesses, which also. Uh, Shocking. I bet there were. <laughs> bet there were. Uh, well, we'll talk about it. He refused to disqualify a man who uh, only had just months earlier printed campaign literature for the fucking prosecutor. So he's in the prosecutor's hmm. pocket. Uh, the defense quickly used up all of its allotted challenges, which were fucking, uh, fucking literally overturned by the judge. And as a result, the jury included uh, two 
of the Calisso Parish Sheriff's deputies, <laughs> two literal <laughs> cops, uh, a direct relative of the victim. You were right, Sebastian. Oh, yeah, there it is. A vice president of the largest bank in the area huh. who had actually known the wounded bank manager. Interesting. Um, there was also, I lost my spot in the script, um, and there were also three people who admitted that they saw Ham Reed interviewing Wilbur on television. Seems maybe, hey, maybe, maybe leaning towards the prosecution side. It's atrocious. Well, Bro, this I, is I think incre- the defense still has <laughs> they got an chance. opportunity. These two kids who have never, pre- it's, it, it, it's egregious. Yeah. And I can assure you it comes They are later. doing everything wrong. Yes. It's also, if you've noticed, I've mentioned that I had a hard time finding a ton of information on this case. Mm-hmm. That's because court records uh, show that, it, well, it actually doesn't even show directly in the court records, but there was a decision made that there would not be a trial transcript. <laughs> so that is why I've had no true information on what uh, actually took place that night. I wager it'd be a lot of uh, racial slurs. Probably. And somebody was like, we should probably not type all those out. Yeah. That's going to um, make us look bad. But it's not even clear from the court records who ordered that. Probably the judge, but... I don't know enough about the judicial process. I mean, there's plenty of sheriffs there, oh. too. There's plenty of also just everybody seemed to know each other. The, there was the cited reason for no no court transcript was that the Rideau family was described as indignant and could not pay for it, which I didn't know was the responsibility of the accused to pay for a trial transcript. Right. Because it's not. It's <laughs> not at all. Because they are being thing. accused. Uh, the also it was not communicated to the two defense attorneys that there wouldn't be a trial transcript. So this whole time they thought, you know, we'll be able to go back look at the trial transcript from day one, day two. Yeah, read through it, kind yeah. of poke holes and mm-hmm. their arguments. Yeah, they weren't told about it. <clears throat> not gonna um, happen. There, it is. It would. It, it is just so incredible, and I mean, like. I'm not defending Wilbert Rideau because we will talk about it. He yeah, because obviously he's a piece of shit. He is guilty, but he has a bit of a turnaround story that we will talk about. Um, trial continues. Trial goes on. Lawyers fucking, I mean, they the lawyers tried to take notes. Like the defense attorneys were obviously in way over their heads. Mm-hmm. And they were like, and they not, were like yeah, just they were like scribbling, scribbling down. Drawing shapes. <laughs> because if they didn't, there would be no record at all of which that they could argue an appeal. And because this is a death sentence case, you get an automatic appeal, but you kind of need the fucking transcripts to prove why your appeal should take place. Why it matters. Exactly. And if there's no goddamn transcript, the court is just going to deny your appeal without ever hearing it. All they have to say is hearsay. Especially so, with no like solidified records. The Wilbert lawyers also did not cross-examine the key witnesses against him. They did not challenge any evidence. They did not present a defense even entirely. <laughs> uh, as soon as the state finished presenting its case, the defense rested. That's it. Like they, he might as well have not had attorneys. They just yelled at and said, okay. Sounds good. Uh, they, that was Thanks it. for your time. And then the jury then makes their decision. They only hear one side of the case, and the jury makes their decision. Guilty. Guilty. Uh, the jury retired to the fucking chambers for an hour, and Wilbert was convicted of murder. Obviously, uh, mandatory sentence of death in Louisiana at the time. Nineteen Damn. years old. So, 
there is a lot of legal about this. If you can't tell, there were some problems with that first trial. Guilty or not, he wasn't given a fair trial. Plain and simple. Right. And that's like, you know, the whole reason. That's kind of like, system. I believe, uh, part of the Bill of Rights, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, if we're not, if I'm not tripping on that. So... That was in, again, I couldn't find an exact date, but by 1963, this case had made its way to the United States Supreme Court in which they called, you know, Sheriff Ham Reed, like pretty much just called him a scumbag. They called it, you know, ego stroking. It was a spectacle. Um, Everything that took place was completely unconstitutional. And the court, Supreme Court, Sebastian, threw out the murder conviction and said Wilbert could not be tried anywhere within the reach of the main news. Like, you know how we have, Holy like... Holy shit. What's our main, like, local news network? Like WCCO. Yeah, exactly. Care yeah. 11. So Fox, the, yes. Fox News. Care 11. That's a perfect example. WCCO. They said that if that was the news network local of a community, the trial, his retrial, could not be held in that, even years later. And you said this was from the, the Supreme, Supreme Court. Court. They took his side of like it, Like, the biggest court in the country yeah, said, not, hey, not, we not, agree he may... Here, I've done it. Yeah, but you also there are, you know, rules, checks and balances to these proceedings, and you failed to do literally a single one of those. Literally a single... You didn't even... You literally didn't present a defense. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, so still 1963, Louisiana law at this time only permitted trials to be moved to an adjoining judicial district and no further, which essentially, you know, we live in Ramsey County. That'd be like Go them to saying Dakota County, West side. Well, it has to like touch us. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't move it. Right. Like what's on the other side of like Hennepin. What they're Whatever saying. Yeah. Is. What they're saying is you can't go to a trial that doesn't touch borders with where the trial took place. That's their state That's law. That's Louisiana's state that is their law. State law. But um, I mean, can't the Supreme Court overturn that because they're the Supreme Court or Yeah. So all the adjoining judicial districts obviously fell within the broadcast range of the news network. Uh the trial judge declared a judicial impasse saying that Wilbert could not be retried. So Damn. this pissed off the district attorney who tried the case because they love their fucking closure rates, you know, mm-hmm. fucking case closed. Case closed. District attorney appealed to the Louisiana Supreme Court, which basically just suspended state law so that the retrial could go forward. Wow. They were like, we want this guy, so we will just say, fuck it. We'll listen, we'll to, listen to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Supreme Court. Um, the next trial was going to be set for 1964, and it would be moved to Baton Rouge. And the defense, oh. this time he actually got decent attorneys, at least a little bit better, which they objected Someone to. Someone that's actually, like, you know, handled they were, they the were, case before. Exactly. They still said Baton, Baton Rouge is not far enough because this news network still reaches Baton Rouge and is a main source for a lot of people that we polled in this area. And there was also massive newspaper coverage. Like, a case this big has to be moved way further away. But their objections, again, didn't matter. He was going to be tried again, this time three years later in 1964. Um, 
wouldn't you guess the second trial went pretty much the same as the first the the trial was fucking all white all male jury again so yeah they uh this time i think i'm putting these pieces <laughs> together now th- this time they spent only 15 minutes deliberating which is not a good <laughs> sign for your case they said yeah guilty Mm, yep. Mm, I think it takes longer than 15 minutes to fill out the piece of paper that says <laughs> yeah, guilty. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's got to be a questionnaire. Do you, do you think they least, just like a crossword? Yeah, they maybe just crossed it all out and just wrote guilty. Yep. guilty. But they spelled it like G U I L T E E. Guilty. <laughs> oh no, no, I think it's T T E A, like the tea we drink. Oh, guilty. Oh, yeah, 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 right yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we put a, a hyphen after gil. the gill into the T? Now, gill ain't that what you done. You're right. Like the Constitution it, was written with a gill pen. Oh, so I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think you're right with the hyphen because I think it's gill, gil hyphen, hyphen pan, gill tea. hyphen T, like the T we yeah. drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Go okay, ahead and turn yeah, that in. All right. Yeah. All right. So we're all in agreement here now. All in agreement here. So yeah, that was the fucking second trial. So that's trial. exactly how it went. Exactly. I'm willing to bet we <laughs> are within a margin of about like 5% error on that. Uh, oh, anyway. Um, but this murder conviction, this is the second one, was also thrown out by federal court in 1969. So five years after this. Remind me, the crime took place 1961. First trial thrown out. Now, now the this is eight trial. years later. Yes, he's now had two trials. And um, is this is the sixty nine one the one that couldn't be within? No, then that was the nineteen sixty four one. Okay, and, and now they, we're just getting into the other one. Yeah, and they the nineteen sixty one or the nineteen sixty four one they said was Baton Rouge. The defense was like, "Hey, that's not far enough." They said, "Fuck you." Um, so then again, nineteen sixty nine. I couldn't find any information on why this one was thrown out, but it probably is really similar reasons, like ineffective counsel, like because mm-hmm. he's just not getting good counsel, and there was probably also a very prejudicial jury. Like there were a lot of reasons for him to not get a fair yeah, trial, to not have an accurate fair trial. Uh, and I'll remind one, you again, he is guilty. He right. did slit that woman's throat. Absolutely, and he and, admitted to it. Yes, and there will be a second part where details make it even more gruesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a quick question, too. For sure. Now, in between these, you know, hearings of 61 to 64 and 64 to 69, was he a free man? No, or has he's he in jail still. Down? Okay, he's been... He's in jail still. Cool. Um, But... But no death sentence. No death sentence, exactly. Just in jail. He was retried again in 1969... This time in Baton Rouge again. Or no, the conviction was thrown out in 69. Um, another trial, 1970, in Baton Rouge again. A third all-white, all-male jury. <laughs> and uh, they said, hey, haven't we talked about this, guys? Exactly. This is so, not going to work. <laughs> they spent 15 minutes on the second trial. They uh, they spent eight minutes. <laughs> Like, you know what, we got to cut this time in half. Just write Gil. They'll figure the rest of it out. (laughs) (laughs) Forget the hyphen. Oh, forget, right, T. Now we're thinking. Now we're thinking. They'll get it. Because innocent, that don't got a T in it. (laughs) Mm -mm. No, no T in innocent. No, just a couple C's. It it ends in an N. Innocent. Innocent. Ain't no T in innocent. Innocent. So if we just write a T, Mm. Mm -hmm. we got it. We got it. There we go. Next, next. <laughs> um, he was moved. Now this time he is again 
moved back to death row at Angola prison. And mm. if you're familiar with Angola prison, it's probably the worst one that you can ever be sentenced to. We'll talk a bit about it. But in 1972, the United States Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty was in or inhumane, <clears throat> which means that it overturned all death sentences. So his death sentence from the 1970 trial was overturned. Still life in prison. Th just all death sentences were commuted to life in prison. Right. Um, instead. Yeah. So Louisiana, instead of retrying those death row cases, just resentenced them to life in prison. Because I think it was an option. You know, if you were sentenced to death row, you could be retried potentially. Mm -hmm. They opted to not do that, just sentence them to life in prison. They're like, yeah. Just uh, as good. There's no point. <laughs> exactly. So in May of 1973, Rideau was actually moved off of death row and put into Gen Pop for the first time at Angola. This entire time he's been hanging out in solitary and shit like that. It's 1973. Now which, he's in Gen Pop. Which I think, I mean, solitary confinement is as bad as the fucking death penalty. Uh, yeah, I'd rather actually I'd rather be, be dead. dead. Yes. So much worse. But that's kind of the point. Exactly. But, I mean, if prison is supposed to be even slightly about rehabilitation, solitary confinement is fucking also cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, yeah. It's it will so drive you nuts. <clears throat> and like I was saying, Angola, one of the most dangerous prisons in the country, especially back then, uh, in, you know, prison gangs, sexual... Essentially, enslavement is how it's described in multiple articles I could find. Yeah, um, modern day slavery. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> and then you would just get beat up by the guards too. So if you weren't getting beat up or raped by an inmate, you were at least getting beat up by a guard too. You know what's pretty uh, funny? What's that? Is that there is a brief excerpt in the Louisiana State Penitentiary Wikipedia. So mm -hmm. obviously they're like, oh yeah, it's nicknamed the Alcatraz of the South, the Angola Plantation. It's a piece of garbage. And they're like, but they did have numerous renovations. Oh, so property like, bros came through? So yeah, dude, property <laughs> bros, Mike and Mark or whatever. Flipper flop. Flipper flop, dude. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was funny. That is hilarious. I'm wondering what they consider renovations. Hey, they stopped being- Here's a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> they Probably they stopped putting um locks in the tube socks they beat us with. Now they just beat us with bars of soap. <laughs> it's nice. It's honestly now they well done. now they actually just shoot us. Yeah, rubber instead. bullets. Yep, rubber bullets instead of metal pellets. Even better. I love it. It's it's actually great here. Yeah, it's great here. I love it. <laughs> They're shaking their head violently. Um, so at this time in Angola, Louisiana had what was known as the 10 to 6 life sentence, which is something I'd never heard of. A 10 to 6? Yeah, and it meant that anybody who was sentenced to life that had a clean record would be eligible for release after serving at least 10 years and 6 months, which if you're doing the math, we're coming up on on Wilbur Rudeau. From 61. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, by all accounts, almost like automatic, which is the craziest thing I think I read about this entire prison shit in Louisiana. Because you think that they would keep them as long as they could. But everybody, by all accounts, said if you were a life sentence person and you could stay clean, especially at a place like fucking Angola, where you probably had to join a gang of one variety or another to yeah, even survive. It was, like, not good. They purposefully tried to force you to not have a clean record. 
But if you were able to maintain it, you were essentially guaranteed. For 10 and a half years? 10 and a half years. 240 seasons plus. Jesus Christ, dude. Rideau had a spotless record. Um, and a 10 to 6, his 10 to 6 date had passed in 1971. And he applied for a commutation based off of this. Um, especially, it, it, this was in 1974. He, re- he applied for the commutation even after 10 years had passed in 1971 mm-hmm. because the first trial, even though it was overturned and then the second trial and all that, like you asked earlier, he's still in prison. All of that still counts as prison time if he's resentenced. Because he's still serving. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, not for you. And there was really no real explanation. They did it to him again in 1976. He still had a clean record. And they're 19- like, nope. Nope. In 1979, the New York Times interviewed Louisiana governor, a man named Edwin Edwards, and they caught, they talked with the parole board because at this point, I haven't mentioned it, we'll talk in just a second, but there was a reason he was getting so much attention, and they were saying that, you know, what's going on, asked him, so it's kind of complex, I guess. But at the same time, I guess it's actually pretty straightforward. It's just the story of a fucking uh, corrupt governor. So this dude, Edwin Edwards, called members of the parole board and told them specifically to vote no in the case of Wilbur Rideau. Wow. Even when they were letting other people out who had clean records, the they governor. Said, this guy specifically. Yes. And do not let him get out. The reason why was by now, Rideau had become a high-profile and award-winning prison journalist. What? Did I not mention that? No. <laughs> JK. I didn't mention it on purpose. What? So, remember, Rideau, first of all... What do you all, mean a prison journalist, dude? I'm, we're going to talk about it. Because at this point, remember, Rideau literally dropped out in the ninth grade. He never pursued an education past that. But in prison, it was essentially like he enrolled in fucking college. Like... He was one of those dudes who just uh, started getting books, reading books, and you know he's in solitary confinement, which is probably the only way that you can fucking like maintain sanity. Yeah, have a grip on reality is if you keep feeding your brain information. So cycling back to the early seventies, Rideau had written a column called "The Jungle." For a chain of what were called black weeklies in Louisiana. So there were, you know, black written stories for black people, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, he also, by now, after that point, and all these articles and all this had come to light, mainstream media actually started to freelance through him. And this is, I was shocked that they even, the prison even let him, but I think it was because the prison themselves knew he was a good prisoner. But the fucking governor didn't like the negative press because no prisoners in prison saying this is great. Right. So when he's like, Hey, this is what's going on at Angola. It's quite literally. It's uh, not good. Um, if you're familiar with the story of the Birdman of Alcatraz, he was just a guy who went to Alcatraz and he got famous for writing about Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. Um, the Birdman, bird yeah, man. the dude that actually had like he hundreds of birds and was selling them and yeah. making money off it. <laughs> crazy, crazy story there. Hey, you know that Alcatraz means pelican? That's not our show. <laughs> I'm going to cut that. Um, <laughs> the fucking... Uh, anyway, so they described him very similar way. Um, he essentially just transformed himself and he... Just, I guess, just took to writing. You know, some people paint, other people write. He wrote. 
1975, a federal court ordered that Angola prison be reformed. You touched on it just now. How you said, oh, dude, there's some renovations and shit like that. And that was because there was a civil lawsuit by the ACLU <laughs> saying that, hey, it's really fucking bad here. It's even better, dude. It wasn't just because. No. It was because of a lawsuit. They're yes. like, all right, maybe we got to update our facilities a little bit. There's Treat this- these like human beings. You know? Oh, these aren't dogs? Yeah. Damn. They, uh, they specifically cited high levels of violence and abuse of prisoner rights. <laughs> um the outgoing <laughs> warden at the time, uh, you know, they hilarious. part of the reform allowed for more um, educational programs and work assignments from within prison. Mm-hmm. And Rideau was one of the guys trying who, to reduce the rate of repeat offenders. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Um, and the outgoing warden actually appointed Rideau as the editor of the Angolite, which was the kind of like prison newspaper in a way. Just localized, or was this like? I didn't look into it a ton, but from what I could tell, it was just like, uh, Jimmy on block C is having another baby. <laughs> That'd be pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Actually. I didn't even Shit think like of that. that you yeah. Know? Um, just keeping up in the loop. And I guess what I could find were there were a lot of prison journals at the time and there probably still exist. We should find one. We should find a local one and read it. Yeah. See if there's one for like Stillwater yeah, or something. That would be sick. Um, but be he, crazy. he was. Wilbert Rideau was the first ever black editor of any prison journal in the United States at fucking Angola of all places, dude. (laughs) And he just like, he made that position for himself, essentially. Yeah. And I, one thing all else about it is any of these prison journals, they have like censorship rules. Like you obviously can't say incredibly ludicrous shit and have ludicrous claims, which even, I mean, despite like truth, you still have to abide by the prison's rules. Right. But Rideau was the warden pretty much told him, no, you aren't censored. Say whatever you're going to say. Like, just say it. And yeah, that, go ahead. Yeah. There'll um, be no consequences. And it was it was legitimate. Like, the warden's time, He this was the incoming warden, so I said the outgoing warden appointed him, like, the head of the thing. Mm-hmm. Incoming warden said, you're already the head of this thing. I'm going to free you even from the censorship you had once before. Damn, so, we're taking this a step further, big dog. Yeah, we're giving you a chance here. The wardens, it was a really progressive administration. Um, it was the nation's only uncensored prison publication, probably because it had such a bad reputation. They figured they had to do something. And uh, during his 25 years as an editor at the Angolite, Rideau became well-known nationally, gaining a reputation even beyond prison, to the point that, uh, well, hang on. I almost jumped ahead too far. Well, to the point, in 1979, Rideau and his co-editor, a guy named Billy Sinclair, won um, an award for their articles, The Other Side of Murder and Prison, The Sexual Jungle, which Whoa. I tried to find. I couldn't. I, I, I didn't really have time a ton, but I really want to read what The Other Side of Murder is about. That sounds so interesting. Um, in addition, to hear it from the inmate side, I yeah, assume? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the magazine also won the Robert F. Kennedy Journalism Award, uh, the American Bar Association Silver Gavel Award, and they went on to win the 1981 Sidney Hillman Award. The Angolite was literally the first prison publication ever to be nominated for a National Magazine Award, and it was nominated seven times. It's crazy. What like, the fuck, dude? What, what 
I, I would love to read some of these from this era. Um, from the 70s? From is, the 70s. Is and when the, the stuff would be coming out? Yeah. The Angolite of the 70s. Tune. Probably some pretty crazy shit. Uh, Rideau was also permitted to leave the prison as long as he was accompanied by an unarmed guard uh, where he would go to lecture at universities and shit like that about the prison newspaper. Uh, he went to Washington, D.C. He was even allowed to fly. Like most prisoners, when like you know they're taken out of prison, they're like driven around. Mm-hmm. They put him on a fucking flight with a guard. Like that's how, I mean, that's how much he was trusted. They were just like, yeah, like, you're cool. And that was twice. You and put in your time. He spoke directly to national newspaper editors on the subject specifically of prison journalism and journalism in general. What? 19 so, years old. Been in prison since he was a 19-year-old and dropped out at nine, in ninth grade. And then murdered someone. He did murder Went one person and tried to kill two. A couple few decades. Really reformed himself. That's insane. Quite literally. Like but the, he did it all himself, too. Like, yeah. That's not like the prison fucking really made him smarter. He chose no, to be smarter. or even, in, like, really gave him anything to work off of, minus the newest warden. You yeah. Know, it was like, you're fucking, like... Here, just no go, go for it and see what the fuck happens. Go ham. It's interesting that they'll... They trust him enough to, like, let him fly commercially. But, yeah. you know are still withholding his release, yeah. even after the 10-6. Well, that is a really good point, because in 1984, 86, 88, and 1990, all those years, pardon boards recommended commuting his sentence so that he could be released, and an investigation in 1989 discovered that, uh, remember that governor, Edwin Edwards, had made a secret promise, this dude made a secret promise during an election campaign to Jay Hickman, the bank teller who had been wounded, shot in the arm, that he would never, never in his state would he release Wilbert Rideau. Wow. No matter what. No matter who recommended it. I guess the governor still has the final say. He denied. Then the next governor, um, 1988 and 1990, excuse me, Edwin Edwards was ousted. New governor, Buddy Romer, uh, agreed pretty much with Edwin Edwards, probably again on an under-the-table handshake agreement. Like, nah. Yeah, and in 1988 and 2000, he also said that uh, Rideau would not be getting clemency. It's crazy. Like, again, he did commit these crimes, and he deserves to be made fun of. because, And he deserves to, you know, be punished for it. But it really seems like he's... By now, it's 1990, he's been in prison for 29 years. There was already an established, like, 10 to 6 rule. So he stayed even past that by double. Right. Um, let's see here. I completely I lost where I was in the script. He was described multiple times as he had been the most rehabilitated prisoner in American history. Uh, he is absolutely no threat to society. The average length of incarceration, this is all from a news article, the average length of incarceration for convicted murder in the United States is roughly seven years. Uh, Rideau has served many times over that. This is a mockery of the correction system because Rideau has done everything the judicial system asked of him and so much more. His continued incarceration, despite universal agreement of his rehabilitation, is a black mark on the state's judicial system. Damn. That was from... 
the Shreveport Journal in Louisiana, their editorial book editorial board after conducting their own investigation came to that conclusion and said hey and still i i'm inclined to uh side with them when so remember how i said there was an investigation i don't know if i mentioned it earlier 2020 the news show is the are the people who uncovered that um or was it the new york times i can't remember no uh yes 2020 the news show abc's 2020 is who discovered that Edwin uh, Edwards or whatever that governor? How am I not? Yes, Edwin made Edwards that made that agreement. Pact. In 1989, after Buddy, new governor Buddy Romer, came in and um, said no in 1988. 2020 then came to him and was like, "Hey, we found this out about the other governor. What's going on with you? Uh, what does he need to do to earn clemency?" And he said, "Quote." <clears throat> His only chance to overcome what he did is what he might propose he could do so that those kinds of crimes would happen less in the future. Only he can address that. Which, what the fuck does yeah, that even mean? Yeah, what kind of cryptic <laughs> riddle yeah. is that? You're trying to tell him that he is... To trying pre- to sound smart. He is trying to... Pre- he has to come up with a plan to prevent all future similar crimes yeah what he what is, alone aren't you the sh- fucking sh- governor literally dude isn't this like your literal job aren't you paid a lot of money to like something, something like, like bank that? bank rolls to like kinda, you get a mansion kind of hold it down around um, here right which for, by all accounts the clemency board every newspaper locally he became a local celebrity essentially uh and they pretty much all were like what the fuck are you talking about and remind you, he, I remind you, he's had three trials, and this yeah, last, they go, huh? this 1971 stuck. Like, you know, they didn't, he didn't, I'm sure he appealed, he didn't get an appeal. Um, So, all the way up until 1994, fucking Wilbert Rideau files a petition of habeas corpus in the U.S. Middle District Court for Louisiana, alleging racial discrimination in the way of his grand jury um, because you know, remember the white commissioners. You know, <laughs> he he. The, I mean, okay, let's start with he was the white judge. By three all white, all white, white juries. jury. Yes, the white grand jury. All of it. The white uh, courtroom in three separate trials. Yes, yes, that were all supposed to be held in different places per the Supreme Court's ruling, mm-hmm. and they said. Mm, Nah. Nah, I think you're good. I think you got a fair yeah, trial. I, I think we're just gonna hold them hold them yeah. for and if the, the governor if the governor actually. won't let you go, I mean that's not our problem anymore. Yeah, sorry, that's the governor, dude. You're gonna want to take that up with him. That's the big I G. have nothing to do with that. Hey, I dude, I've had I no think, secret dude, deals. I think, I think you're cool. The, yeah. dude, hey, Wilbert you know Wilbert if, if I was governor talk to me. I'd let you go. You know that, right? You know that, right? Will be buddy? Bones? Bones? We good? <laughs> we good? Okay, cool. See you in a decade. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dude. So, in that, that's 1994. Jesus he filed a petition Christ. of habeas corpus. God, that is frustrating. Um, it was uh, it was denied. So oh. now his appeal is just straight up denied. They're well, like, you at are least fine. things are actually lining up now. Yeah. In 1999, though, the chief judge overruled the denial and then was like, yes. There was so December twenty. I'm throwing in a lot of legal terms. Mm-hmm. He files a writ of habeas corpus. And, which and when was this? Can you repeat? Nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. Yes. So Holy twenty shit. 
four years after the final trial that he had, which again was very racially uh, stacked against him. Yeah, and over 30 years past the original crime, 33. Dude. So he is saying, and he's just a model prisoner to the utmost extent. So that's 1994. That's denied. 1999, it comes up again. I don't know how, if it's just another case that was slid across the chief judge's desk, but he says, no, I think this guy kind of has a good fucking point. Um, And on December 22nd, 2000, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans overruled that original denial in 1994. Whoa. And they said that, yeah, you should probably retry this guy. It's not looking good. So... He's got a fourth trial. (laughs) How often does that even happen? That's a good fucking question that I don't have the answer to. Yeah, because I've never heard of something like that. But they actually gave two options. They said, you either retry him or you just fucking let him go. You have one option or the other. That's it. This is how easy it's going to be for you. Complying uh, begrudgingly, they set the trial date for five years later. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth trial was set for January 2005. Yeah, you know, we're actually pretty booked up Ooh. about half please another half a decade off. Please don't, please don't say sometime in the next five years. Ooh. Ooh, because we that's when booked. I'm busy. Sorry. Unfortunately, at this time. So, again, I'll, I'll quickly recap before we jump into the fourth trial. Yeah. There was Give a us lot, another I rundown. A, I threw here. a lot of trial information. So, just for some context, three separate, all-white, all-male juries convicted him of murder and sentenced him to death in 1961. 64. 64. 69. No, 70. Oh. Yes. Right. Yes. But it started in 69. Yes, exactly. Each time, appeals courts eventually threw out the verdicts, uh, most of the time misconduct, citing misconduct by the government. Something intentional. Yeah, but the 1971 took this long to be thrown out. Holy shit. So. Until the 90s? Yes. So and he then had 2005. only a couple years in between, and then they're like, mm, because he, let's give it a couple decades. Exactly, because he probably thought he was getting out on the 10 to 6, and he was getting fucking literally under the table held in prison by two separate governors of the <laughs> yeah. fucking state, dude. Dude. By a banker from... By a dude, yes. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yes, Jay Hickman. Yeah. <laughs> so, now prosecutors... That's are, some bullshit. The fact that they're even willing to try this case again, because a murder is generally 25 to life, and he's served past that right. as a great prisoner, they're trying to... Is, like, the uh, exemplary uh, prisoner. Just what w- any criminal justice prosecutor wants to see mm-hmm. turn out. That's their yeah, best bet is hey, someone ending up look, like Wilbur. It works. Let's let this guy out, give him a chance to be back in society and yeah, say, and if hey, he doesn't this prison make it, shit fine. works. We'll toss him back in. Right. No. So, fourth time, and the prosecution is just as strong as ever. They're like, no, we're going to get him. So, by now, as you can imagine, original witnesses are dead. Um, they have to ask stand-ins because they're essentially retrying the trial of 1961, <laughs> which didn't have a transcript. Over 40 years later. They have to have a f- stand-ins come in and speak on behalf, reading written testimonies from all these old <laughs> fucking people. Um, reading, and it's Racist, their, their, their original testimony. People. Exactly. So, 
the man, the district attorney here, a man named Rick Bryant, told the jurors this. This one we have more trial information on yeah, because they, it's, it's a little more recent. Yes. So he said, <clears throat> told the jurors, most of you are sitting here today probably weren't even born on February 1961. Good point. Yeah. Start, I guess. I'd argue so. It's, and what he's trying to do is he's trying to say, like, hey, you guys don't know what it was like, so you might as well just fucking convict him and just trust all of this testimony. Mm-hmm. Mind you, uh, the, the the fabric shop has been torn down. The bank has been torn down. <laughs> the gravel lane <laughs> that he went to and shot those people on is now an on-ramp to Interstate 10. There's all information I was able to find. Uh, evidence what? is gone because they tossed it, thinking the conviction was going to stick no yeah, matter what. Racist done. city. Um, and most of the witnesses are dead. So, hey, just believe it. All right? Just, hey, don't, yeah, eat, don't, you don't think too hard. You don't know the details like we do. <laughs> don't well, think can too you hard. give us the details? Which, to be fair, he is guilty. But if you convict him, so it gets tricky because he is guilty, right? <clears throat> but they would need to convict him of something life in prison because if they gave him something like 25 to life, well, he served past 25. Mm-hmm. So he probably just gets let out. Anyway. So he's pretty, this dude, Rick Bryan, is pretty much saying, believe all of it so wholeheartedly that this 19-year-old kid was so evil that he has to remain. He's now 60-plus years old. This just monster. Keep him, just keep him in prison. Mr. Rudeau. Who has talked to, like, national press. Literally flown to you've, D.C. You've seen him. Yes. Probably. He is 62 years old in this fucking trial. Transformed as hell. <sighs> Definitely, literally did his time. Acclaimed journalist. He was a documentary filmmaker. I completely cut it out. I realize now reading it. One of his documentaries about Angola was like fucking nominated for an Academy Award. What? Yes. So this dude's just accoladed up. Literally. Fucking. uh, There are a lot of people who are really pissed he's still in jail because, like I said, he's been uh, approved, essentially, for having his sentence commuted in the 80s, but it was blocked by the governor. Um, He never denied killing Julia Ferguson either. Uh, He said that a lot of people were like, well, since he should have been executed long ago, you have no choice but to convict him again. All of this shit. He He never said that he didn't kill her. And that's yeah. kind of that's kind of where he said that off the rim. And more details, and this is what I was saying. So remember how way back at the start, I said he uh, he lined up everybody in front. The story was he lined up them all in front of the headlights. Yeah, and all and of that. Did a yeah, execution. So we'll talk. Style. We'll talk a little bit more about that here. But when he was, so he's brought back to trial. I keep getting a little bit distracted. Um. They have to read this testimony and their written testimonies from the original people. They said that, oh, you know, we believed him and he would let us free, you know, all of this. But what actually happened, I mean, that is true. That's the real, that's the original testimony. But what I was saying when I said that there's some more darker details, he, uh, it's not exactly clear again, but he actually like set them free kind of and like shot them as they ran away which is even more fucked up. Damn. And he hit Hickman, and then he hit Dora. Dora fell. I think it said at one point Hickman jumped into the swamp, actually. And then he, Julia was like just the slow one. It wasn't that she just got up. You know what I mean? Like how he made it sound at first. 
Yeah, but, like where she climbed to her knees and then he was like, I got to yeah, take you he out. He told them he was letting them go and then shot them, which is pretty fucking grim. He also said in an interview that I could find that it was racially motivated. He admitted at 19 years old he hated white people and he didn't. He just felt more angry than anything. Um, he said that he didn't purposely take them as hostages. He was just like scared and didn't know what to do. He He's said just that trying it, to get a bag. He said that his plan was to let them go, but then something happened that, I mean, it's pretty insignificant. They're, the thing is, you hear the more graphic details now and how kind of like grimy it actually was. I mean, it was grimy the first way it was told. Right. But, but now, now it's, it's a, little a little bit extra more. Seasoning on yeah, it, a like, little bit more like malicious, mm-hmm. especially after he admitted that he decided to kill them because they were white. Um, yeah, the racial motivation. So, at this point, trial comes to an end. All that detail comes out. Defense attorney is just pretty much saying, hey, racially motivation, cl- racial motivation clouded a 19-year-old's mind. You can still convict him of the crime that he did. Just convict him of manslaughter, not murder. You know, he was... a." teenager just caught up in the wrong decision at the wrong time it wasn't premeditated it wasn't first degree murder you know if he did i mean honestly the story of letting them go and shooting them after is almost leans less towards premeditation where he just decided in the instant to kill them instead of putting them all in front of the yeah because he's like all right go and then it's like wait 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 i i can't can't risk this so like I was saying, since we're basing this off the 1961 crime, the max sentencing for a manslaughter charge in 1961 is 21 years, which would mean he that would have he would gone be yes, he would have been 14 years ago yes, something. He would have been done in 1982. So if they convict him of manslaughter, they're still giving justice. You know, this is what the defense attorney you're giving them justice, but he still gets that conviction, but he will be free. So, drum roll, please. Saturday 15th, or Saturday, January 15th, 2005. Convicted of manslaughter and set free. Yo! Which is good. It's bad. I don't really... Whatever you want to think about it, whatever. Um, It's it's hard to feel right about that, but... Yeah, but it, it, it also... You want those stories coming out of prison. Like, how do you not want that? That's literally like, quote unquote, what they're there for. Obviously, yeah. it's a lot of, uh, like I said earlier, modern day slavery. Yeah, in my opinion. But so, what happened with Wilbur Rideau? What did At happen? Six, with he was Wilbert sixty-two. Rideau? He was sixty-two in two thousand five. He when he t- came out of yeah. prison, dude. But he was still like he had a career. Still did a horrible in the thing. Prison. He still slit her throat. Like that's all true. He yeah. caught up to her and just made sure, sure that she was dead. Um, he said he left Lake Charles pretty much immediately. He said that the city was just as racially divided as it was in nineteen sixty-one, and that they were just masquerading, which is a terrifying thought. To be quite honest, that somebody like that could still be the case. Yeah, it's not um, that shocking. It's only a generation removed. He, not uh, even. Yeah. I mean, three all-white juries sentenced him to death. Fucking th- it's three convictions. All of this shit were overturned. Um, 
The district's attorney at the time said that the jury just flat out ignored the evidence. After he lost the fucking case, he pretty much just called them idiots. He said, quote, the verdict makes no sense. It's a subtle jury nullification type of thing. The jury basically said there's still a conviction and he's done a lot of time. Which, yes. Yeah, that exactly. is all they said. They were just like, yeah. Um, yeah, um, you've been in there for a while, but uh, you ain't coming out yet. That's what he wants, but they're like, yeah, you have been in there for a fucking while, and I guess it's time you probably get a chance at freedom. <laughs> like, it is not still 1961. No matter how much the fucking prosecutor tried to make them think it was still That's 1961, um, they, I mean... <laughs> yeah, they were trying to take... Um Take people back in time like we are. Yeah. You know? Rideau did say, he said, I've been saying, he said, quote, I've been saying this for 44 years. Yes, I'm responsible. But it didn't happen the way they said it. They say I lined them up execution style. The evidence never supported that. Between the local media and the legal system, though, they pretty much did what they wanted. A lot of what the community thought through hand, hand to mouth, hand down, word of mouth, it never really happened like that. Which, I mean, again, I, I don't know which story is better. I think shooting them as they're running away is pretty fucked up. But I mean, you just, like, tried to murder three people. You still tried to murder, successfully yeah. slitted the throat of one. So you're... Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm you're still a monster. The prosecuting attorney, again, said that Mr. Rideau's um, achievements were irrelevant in terms of his success as a reformed prisoner he's like i don't fucking care yeah Um, whatever i don't care that he's got a ton of success and like a lot of fucking i don't care that he's like making things better yeah you're like okay then what what are we doing here this dude said um his prosecuting attorney is just throwing a tantrum about losing he's like he said it's very difficult to try a case that's 44 years old. We had 13 witnesses who were unavailable, including the two eyewitnesses, and we had to prevent them. We had to present them by reading transcripts. If it's so hard to try a case from 44 years ago, you were given two options. Yeah. Either try it or let him go. Or let him just go, which you ended up doing anyway. So Might what well. the fuck, dude? Why'd you have to fight it, man? This is a really, like, interesting one to, like, feel. Yeah. Rideau said that he had not dared to make plans on what he would do as a free man while in prison because getting up hope like that was just not worth it. Um, He had been recommended clemency four times and uh, rejected each time. He went on to say, quote, when you've been turned down and ridden that hope train for so long and keep getting knocked back, you stop making plans, which is pretty fucking sad. Uh, when asked if, where he was planning on moving out of Lake Charles in 2005, he just responded, Undisclosed location. And I mean, that was another story still to tell. That was, and then he was just poof. Pretty much. He left Lake Charles, not really to be seen again. Never Um, made any further books, edits. I don't know. I'm sure he has since then, but I wanted a little bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, If you care to look up what Rido (laughs) is up to. By all means, I think the story in reference to the murder he committed ends right there. That was another story still to tell. I know we fast forward in terms of years in our last two episodes. You know, uh, the last one, again, if you haven't listened, I won't spoil it, uh, ends up uh, going all the way up until the 2000s. This one also goes up into the 2000s. And we'll keep doing that considering that some of these cases, uh, I mean, all these cases at this point are 50 years old. 
uh, and all of them naturally have, or 60 years old, I should say, they each have individual developments that are going to be worth bringing up. Um, but I'll try to keep, you know, try to keep the same state of mind in the 60s. You know, this robbery took one year after the case of Irene Garza. Like, you know, to reframe that. Mm-hmm. Remember to what happened with Irene? This was literally just one year right after. And, you know, a state to the east over. Yeah, literally, also. like, really fucking close. Yeah. That wasn't on purpose. I'll look for one. Got a new one. Yeah, yeah I, but, I got a couple I mean, ideas for 62. It's, so. it's interesting because you can hear about both of those potentially depending on where you are. And if yeah. you're stuck in the middle, you don't know what's going on. It's, you know, just another day in the life in yeah. 1960 and 1961. Day in the life. Uh, next week, we do have a good one no matter what. I got to decide still between a couple uh, before we get to the big one. The big <laughs> one. <laughs> but, I, but I won't spoil anything on that. On that either. Um, I wonder if anybody knows what we're referencing. Think hopefully. about 1963. Don't, don't look it up. Don't look up 1963. Yeah, just think about it. Think about big things that big, could have happened. large events yes. that potentially um, happened. Conspiracies, perhaps. Yeah. I'll just drop Honestly, that on where you. conspiracy theory arguably yeah, started, started where it came and from. And we'll drop, we'll, we'll ex- drop it there. I'm excited to dive into Are you that excited? one, too. Yeah. I'm excited. I got a lot of jokes lined up. Good. I told we you We talked about it last week. We're, I'm, I'm getting right in. Yeah. Because um, we can make fun of that now. Yeah. It's it's well past this time. I think 9-11 is starting to get funny, you know, right? I think it's always been funny. Yeah. you can We can laugh at 9-11. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know. We can't laugh at the firefighters, though. Absolutely not. And I mean, all those people who did die. But, or the victims or yeah. anything like that. Um, but the whole fucking concept from an American perspective is just. Yeah. How we responded to that. Yeah. Uh, the decades following. Yeah. All right, maybe That's funny. There's a good chance in, you know, 40 episodes when we get to the thousands. I'm so excited for the thousands because there are going to be some crazy. And, nuts, dude, there's dude. so much detail on all of those cases <laughs> that it's just going to be so much fun. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Sebastian, if you have anything to add, I was just going to toss in the outro and pretty um, much bop. No, I don't, I don't have anything to add besides, uh, you know, thanks for listening. And again, be a friend, tell a friend, be a friend, tell a friend, um, on Spotify, on a couple different platforms. I know the big one that you can review on is Apple podcasts. Other than that. Yeah, just tell all of your friends, tell your accountant, uh, if you're selling your home, tell your real estate agent. Uh, Probably don't talk to your HR about this, though. Probably don't. It's going to make you're you gonna look bad. You're going to want to keep this off the books. Off the books. Um, <laughs> they if, might spike your insurance rates. Uh, Yeah, they're, gonna, they're going to distrust a lot of <laughs> the information you've given them previously. Yeah. If this is the type of <laughs> entertainment. If this is what you like, then... Uh, you know, you're in trouble, but you're in good hands with us. Uh, if you have an anti-vaxxer friend, make sure they don't listen to. Yeah. yeah be a friend in the opposite direction, too. <laughs> also, be cool gatekeep from you people who are racist and bigoted and sexist. sexist. homophobic. Um, yeah. Anything you know, of that variety. Like we said at the beginning of the episode. Hateful people. Fuck Trump. Fuck so. Trump. Exactly what were you expecting? So uh yeah, you know, we want we want it to be we don't want those people to be associated with us. 
um, because if they're associated with us and you listen to us, then they're associated with you too. And that's just so like how do, that's not you. really a good look. Don't you care what people you, think about yeah. you? You probably should. You should. <laughs> um, but man, Sebastian, what do you say we play the music and get the hell out of here? Yeah, fuck this. I'm going home. All right, guys. Peace. Peace.